Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode the E3 2018 pre-show because, well, it's the final episode before E3. And can I just say that I love the fact that publishers finally realize they don't all need to announce things in a three-day stretch during E3. Like, we finally are getting stuff before and after. Like, I mean, to be fair, Pokemon's always done that for the last while. Um, and, you know, they did it again with Pokemon Let's Is Go. because if they don't, Walmart will do it first? Pretty much. I think everyone's just afraid of Walmart Canada. Uh, yeah, they, they leaked everything. Literally. It's, it's been a weird couple of weeks going into E3. And then, like, Nintendo's leaking stuff through the eShop and... I think my favorite was that E3 leaked E3 with their... Oh, yeah, the day one tweet. Yeah, by tweeting out their day one, like, oh, thanks for coming today or whatever. Yeah, they were exposed as pre-writing their tweets. Man. I know, disappointing. And here I thought they live-tweeted everything. Yep, well, still looking forward to it regardless. Yeah, and I mean, and the thing is, there is actual news, which is kind of nice. So we had, like, Pokemon Let's Go, and then, you know, beyond just Pokemon Company, we've got stage stream reveals these last couple weeks, things like uh, Team Sonic Racing and Mega Man 11 and Paladins coming to Switch. And it's it's great because like each game has given been given this chance to breathe and get some proper attention with or without Walmart's assistance, and that means that as you listen to us ramble about all of them, whether it's before E three, whether it's after E three, whether it's during E three, if you're some sort of weird Nintendo news madman who's like listening to news while watching news while reading impressions of news, you know it's all relevant still. So even if you're listening to this after E three, this episode still has stuff that is relevant to you, hopefully. I mean, I, I guess technically, actually, I, I should back this all up. EA had their press conference a couple hours before we started recording. So the whole, like, it's not E3 yet. It, it sort of is. EA does EA Play, which is a little separate. But, uh, yeah, they, they announced FIFA. No. That's it for us Nintendo fans. Like, I thought they were going to show Unravel 2. assuming on it's still on its own unique engine. and not... Yep, it's still not using Frostbite. They're improving said engine, but it's still not using Frostbite. Um and yeah, it's weird because they also announced Unravel 2, which is an indie-style, single-screen, local co-op platformer, and yet not on Switch. I mean, Yarny and his new little compatriot are literally the colors of the red and blue neon Joy-Cons, and yet the game isn't on Switch. It is made for Switch, but is not on Switch. Is it for everything but Switch? It's for everything but Switch, oh. and when they announced that was out, they said... It's available to all of you starting now. It's like, no, no, there's a whole contingent of not of you, not of them that can, like, I can't get it. But, you know, EA's going to be EA, so we're not getting it. That's fine. My point here is this year in particular, this episode in particular, I feel like it's some sort of, like, E3 light or, like, Diet E3. And because uh, we now have the news to discuss and we discuss all these games, but we also, I, we're going to discuss all these games except Unravel 2 because EA is EA. But we're um, also going to have hands-on impressions of a game that's not even out yet. Very E3-like of us because Mario Tennis Aces had its pre-release online tournament last weekend. So we have impressions of that. And I believe, for good measure, we also got impressions of a game that is out, courtesy of you, Angel, with uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection. So, Very interesting beast, that thing is. Very interesting beast. We'll see what that means in approximately... 90 minutes to 120 minutes i guess but yeah. yeah basically all of this is a very long way of me saying it's a pretty packed episode given it's the eve of e3 so if anything rattled off just now sounds of particular interest to anyone listening you know the drill you can go to rantano.com you go to this episode's blog post there are timestamps for everything whatever you do though make sure to listen to the very end of the show because we have info on some new giveaways and that's plural giveaways so uh for now but we'll, we'll just tease that. For now, let's start with the single biggest game that was announced since our last episode. 
is coming to Switch. It's called Farmer's Dynasty. And contrary to its name, this very real game I'm not making up is not a Dynasty Warriors game set on a farm, but actually a farming simulator. Anyway, no, I'm kidding. It's it's Pokemon Let's Go. It is a great joke that I worked really hard on. I workshopped that for weeks. But no, uh, Pokemon Let's Go is, is I know. It's um it's the first game. It's the biggest game. It's oh, the announced... it's not that big. What? So your joke was that at Pokemon isn't that big of a game. What? No, the joke was I was talking about farming. Wow, wow, this is getting <laughs> this is getting meta. It's like jokes about jokes. Uh, but um, yeah, it's uh, Pokemon Let's Go is one of three games that were announced in the press conference. Uh, we got Pokemon Quest, which is a literal free-to-play mobile game that somehow is on Switch. Uh, neither of us have tried it, so we're just gonna backburner that for now. We're not gonna talk about Quest, but we are gonna talk about Pokemon Let's Go and the 2019 Pokemon RPG. Because they, well, at least Pokemon Let's Go pretty well matched up with the rumors from last episode. So for those who missed episode 177 or the subsequent official reveal that kind of took over the internet, uh, Pokemon Let's Go is coming in two flavors, Pikachu and Eevee. And it sort of sits between like Pokemon Go and a regular Pokemon game. It's based on yellow, as rumors suggested, but it's like super streamlined. I think the best comparison I've seen is that Pokemon Let's Go is the new Super Mario Brothers series version of Pokemon. Like, it, it keeps the main core tenets of the series, but kind of ditches the more in-depth features in favor of simplicity. So, What did it ditch from the core Super Mario Brothers series that made it more simplistic? The 2D Marios? They yeah. took out all the later power-ups and everything. The original new Super Mario Brothers was like two power-ups and some platforming. Mm, they okay. took out all the fancy stuff. All right, I see. I mean, I guess it never... Really no world was... map. There was a world map. Not in the original. Well, was there? No, because they made a whole big deal about how oh, the map turned into Mario World's map. I mean, I guess eventually. It, oh, you're right. It was more like um, Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, where you're kind of following mm-hmm. a path. I mean, I guess I just yeah. I mean, it's of sort it. of a map. It's like but... Super Mario World. No, it's not. It, it wasn't. Of. They turned it into Mario World with uh, Mario U. The original New Super Mario Brothers was you just walked down a straight path. Mario World, you had like different pieces of the world, and you moved around. Man, it's been that long. You're it right. has. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's very. And they had like three power ups in total. Yeah, but yeah, it was very much like going back to the basics. To One of them being re-appeal. literally hold left to win. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Our... Right. Yeah, hold right, not left. So yeah. not correct. And I even backed it, man. But oh. uh, yeah, it's like Pokemon Let's Go kind of feels like that, but for Pokemon. So what that means is, you know, for those who somehow are out of the loop, you're still out and exploring Kanto. It'll follow all the same story beats as Pokemon Yellow. But things that were rumored, like Pokemon being visible in the world instead of just random encounters in the tall grass, that's true. And that's especially relevant because now it ties into the fact that the catching mechanic is lifted straight out of Pokemon Go. So in Pokemon Go, you see a Pokemon, you go catch it if you want, you don't if you don't. Now in Pokemon Let's Go, how it works is if you see a Pokemon, you go up to it, it switches to catching mode, just as you would with a normal random encounter. But there's no whittling down the wild Pokemon's health. There's no battle to be had. Instead, you just have the catching UI from Pokemon Go pop up, and you just need to time your ball throw with the ring closing on the Pokemon, which, um, by the way, is motion control. Because if you flick in Pokemon Go, how you replicate that? Well, you aim with the Joy-Con, and then you either you press a button or you click the stick or whatever it may be. And you even have to do that motion in handheld mode. There, You have to use motion aiming huh. required. So, obviously... Not the core RPG I think we originally thought it would be. Um, like, I feel like last episode when we were speculating, we were trying to graft all the Let's Go rumors 
onto an actual traditional Pokemon game, which is not what this is. Instead, this is kind of like a half-step spin-off, I guess you could say. So, like, on one hand, that's a lot of neat ideas. Um, like, I love the fact that you can now see Pokemon in the wild and avoid the grind of going through tall grass ad nauseum over and over and over just because you want to try to find that one specific Pokemon. Um, I imagine if this game had more of a battle system than it does, that would probably be appealing to have in your approach to Pokemon as well, since you're all about just like getting the Pokemon again trained up. Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I still don't know too much about like how attacks work in this game. It doesn't look... It's. I mean, assuming it's taking a a page from Pokemon Go, you're just gonna have like one or two attacks or something like that. No, yeah, like, you have know. the full. Actually, I don't know how attacks work either. But I mean, just in general, because like, also, if they because they also have like the that weird power level thing that yeah. Pokemon Go has in this one, which I mean, it, it's essentially designed not to be EV trendly friendly or no, super competitive. Like, I mean, it's it's centered around catching Pokemon. That's that's its core focus. It doesn't matter how much battling they throw in that's the core of the game but would you like if they put the idea of you can see the pokemon before they catch them into in, before you catch them into like a normal pokemon like traditional pokemon game that seems up here that seems like something not really no I mean, that's never really been an issue because huh. i feel like for me there's times i go back and like oh i want to get this whatever and you have to keep grinding till you find it but now it's just like there he is well because for the most part as you're just playing through the game you're gonna find a a Pokemon of a certain species that you want. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're just completing the story, for the most part, you pretty much get at least, like, one of everything. And then when I want to EV train them, I'm just gonna breed the hell out of that Pokemon until I right. get the one I want. Oh, yeah, breeding. Breeding's not in this one, either. No yeah, breeding and go. Yeah, yeah. So. But, yeah, I mean, like, so, to me, at least, as I was saying, the, the having them in the wild, visible, is kind of cool. I, I also kind of like the fact that... um buddy kind of follows you around throughout the game now and you can actually rotate them out if you want to ride a pokemon or whatever like it, it almost feels like all of this even though it kind of takes away almost feels more real like a real world pokemon than the pokemon that existed like it feels more like yeah in real life there's a pokemon behind you there you're riding one there there they are in front of you You don't like wade into the grass and there's a six foot snorlax and you're like i don't see him in this tall grass like he'd obviously be sticking up so yeah so like this kind of feels more real funny enough and um like, even things like the new co-op mode. So there's a new co-op mode in this where you and a friend can catch Pokemon together. You each hold a Joy-Con. I don't really know how much control Player 2 has over your movement or what happens, but once you're catching, you both throw Pokeballs at the Pokemon. And regards to the implementation, the idea that not very many people would travel alone is feels more authentic to a fake real Pokemon world than, like, always traveling so i mean even ash always has two friends with him so the fact that they're giving you one is throwing you a bone right yeah but yeah but i imagine like for you you're sort already saying this it doesn't have much battle stuff like i it is confirmed i should have said this before when you're talking about it, it is confirmed that cp iv and ev are the three stats that kind of exist in this world no they're there in the but... pokemon go sense so cp isn't even a thing in real pokemon but it's a thing in pokemon go combat power yeah so yeah it's kind of like what you were saying and then it, and then we already said there's no breeding so that's kind of a downside. i mean in a nutshell the game just isn't for me like it's not yeah. designed for my kind of player the person that just wants to get into the battling like sculpt your perfect team whatever they don't even have do, much do, of the battling do all the breeding this is a game designed for people that primarily play pokemon go that are 
I don't know, just to get them interested in potentially getting a Switch to eventually get them to play the core Pokemon series. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's and if it gets um, anyone else, then it's for those people with uh, nostalgia to get their nostalgia fix, I guess. Right, yeah, because it, it's fine because the... Um, like, even stuff you would expect, like, there is online, but it's only with friends is kind of interesting. Like, there's no global trade system. There's no wonder trade. There's, of course, no rank battles or competitive See, that battles. also kind of makes it, like... Yeah. That also made it kind of easy to just get whatever Pokemon you want. The global between the global trade that's, center, now they, that's out again. Yeah, they also give you items to specifically find specific Pokemon in the wild, mm-hmm. and you could get chains of them. And you can, however, yeah. I guess I can't trade with you because you're not getting it. But you can, like I was trying to say, trade with friends online and battle with friends online, but only friends. And you need a Switch Online account to do it. So it's gonna be a premium online experience if you want to play the two people on your friends list who may have the game. That's not that's not me saying I don't have friends, but it's me saying I don't have friends. Um, well, I mean, I can't even trade with you regardless because I still haven't accepted your friend request. That's true. You still haven't because I haven't met whatever five different stipulations you've laid out for me. What? You have to meet one of those five. I know. I know. I, I'm saying any of the five. I, know, I haven't met any of them. I know. Ridiculous. I'm a horrible person. But you know what does seem more for you? The 2019 game. The core RPG. Like, that's the true Gen 8 entry, right? Like, that's the one where Pokemon Company's promising a bunch of new Pokemon. Um, Let's Go has, has got a grand total of one new Pokemon. The rest is a lo- uh, the 150 from the first game, plus Alolans that you can catch in Pokemon Go and bring in. But yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of new Pokemon. There's going to be better graphics. Um, like As much as I do kind of like the look of Let's Go, it is very clearly just an HD up-res of Sun and Moon. So yeah. this one, it sounds like the next one's going to be really built for Switch from the ground up, which is kind of nice. That's probably why it's not coming out till second half of next year is the official time frame they're now giving. So... But, um, yeah, how much you want to bet, actually, speaking of the graphics, how much you want to bet that, remember the rumors of Pokemon Stars and how they were going to be, like, upgrading the graphics of Sun and Moon, HDifying them and bringing them to Switch, and everyone was like, oh, like, your gamers was sure this was happening, and all the other people were like, yeah, I've heard the same thing. How much you want to bet they were up-resing the assets for Let's Go and, and not for Stars them. and just testing them with existing characters because why why render the, the Kanto Pokemon if it's irrelevant? And everyone's just like, oh, look, they're making a third version. It's probably called Stars. And just sort of ran with this misinformation. Mm, I could see that. Like, how, like, I bet the Nintendo world has been plagued with fake news, and this was it. Like, it just seems such a... I don't know. It's like, it lines up too perfectly to have not been a misunderstanding. But, but yeah, you sort of touched on something kind of interesting about Let's Go. And that is that, yeah, this game isn't for everyone, and a lot of people online seem bummed out because it wasn't for them. But it is a bridge. You're absolutely right. Like, it's, and that's fine. That's I, totally fine. Give me time to be God of War and to play Monster Hunter and to play Smash Brothers. I yeah. don't need another giant Pokemon RPG right now. Yeah, that's what late 2019 is for. But I mean, like, if you if you look at it from Nintendo's perspective and from Pokemon Company's perspective and even Niantic's, there are 800 million people out there who have downloaded Pokemon Go. And while, of course, not all of them are still playing it, there's still so much, like, extra brand awareness that came out of Pokemon Go that's still true today in 2018. Like, did you know Pokemon Company, they're still riding, like, a crazy wave from the success of Go. 2016, they had their highest uh, profile. They had their highest profit ever. They made $145.6 million in 2016, just the Pokemon Company. In 2017, they recently announced in their financials, they still brought in $80 million. $80 $80 million, well, yes, about half of what they made the year prior, is more than what they made in their first through 18th years in existence combined. Dang. So they're still making a lot of money, and now that, you know, Let's Go is getting people's attention and they've got all the systems in place in Pokemon Go to do proper raids and have new events every two weeks and have giant alone executors in the game, which are great. They actually go above, like, the when they render them in the game, you can't see their heads because they're too tall. Anyway, 
they have the thing down cold now. They have events going on now. So it's just sustaining that momentum momentum into let's go in the fall. So it makes sense. Like the attention's certainly there. So even if a fraction of that eight hundred million exists, it's a huge opportunity for conversion. Like it's a huge to to your point to get people to buy Switch, to get people to you know, uh jump in with Pokemon proper. And again, it's it's basically the Mario thing. It's the new Super Mario Bros. thing, yeah. basically in a nutshell. And I think I think investors are seeing it the same way because Nintendo stock went up four point three percent the day they announced this. Like they all get it. A lot of fans online are like, "This is this is lame. This isn't a real Pokemon." But no, it's 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 a spinoff. That's all it is. That's all it ever was. So I think that's why. To Aren't they considering it a core game though? No, they're calling it like a new series. Oh, okay. In fact, uh, the guy that kind of runs the Pokemon show these days, like the producer director, I don't know what to call him, uh, Janichi Masuda. He said that there's no reason necessarily they can't have these two series run parallel going forward. Like right now, they're only focusing on Let's Go. But, and obviously, you know, they want to convert people. That's kind of the whole idea. But if it's popular enough, they could probably sustain just a easier access Pokemon with Let's Go as a franchise. Like, why not? Well, that'd be interesting. Some people will convert, some won't. They're still the core fans by the core games. Maybe a handful jump over. You know, it's kind of win win for everyone involved. Um, but I do think the fact that this is a bridge game explains everything about its design. I don't just mean like, oh yeah, like you can't catch. I mean like the fact that this is weirdly a TV first Switch game. Like every Switch game is about like you can play it on the go, you can do whatever. But Pokemon Let's Go is very clearly not at all any of those things. Like it, you you don't need a portable component. You don't need your game to be portable friendly when you have Pokemon Go as the portable component like you know what i mean it's it's why pokemon company can get away with you know things like requiring motion controls even in handheld mode or limiting online battles to just friends like if you want to interact with a large group of strangers go join a pokemon go raid hmm. then bring the tra- you know bring the pokemon back into your let's go game there's no reason for them to allow trading through the internet because it kind of goes against the game's purpose so you don't need switch to be with you because you have pokemon go in your pocket that's probably why you know, that's probably why it is so TV-centric compared to most Switch games. And I think it's also why, when they've been teasing Pokemon 2019, as I guess I'll call it, um, they've been making these weird comments like, oh, it'll be more, it'll have more handheld features and gameplay experiences. It's like, handheld features? What does that mean? <laughs> like, a bunch of people online are like, oh, no, are they, like, geese down-resing it or something? It's like, no, I think they just mean you don't have to flick a Joy-Con at your TV to catch a Pokemon. It just, you know, it just means this is a, the next year's game will be designed for Switch while this is designed as something you just have on your TV that just happens to run on the Switch because that's the system that's out there. So for a game called Pokemon Go, it's not really going to go. Well, it's Pokemon Let's Go. Let's Go. Well, Yeah, Pokemon Go, you still go outside, (laughs) and Pokemon Let's Go, it's like, let's go into the game world. Or to quote former presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, let's Pokemon go to the polls. Did you ever see that clip? That's a real thing. That was... That's a real thing. Cost the election, that one joke. Who would have thought? Wow. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, I think, I think though, that's the way that's kind of piggybacking off Go, opposed to being like a core game, is why I'm at least excited for it. Like, I'm someone who still regularly plays Pokemon Go, knowing one day it would pay off. And two weeks ago was that day. I was like, yeah, finally. Finally. You, you actually summed it up best. Like, the day it was announced, you tweeted something along the lines of this is like the other half of the Pokemon Go experience. Yeah, the part that the media part is. that it needed. I mean, yeah, 
still not for me. He's not going to convince me to play Pokemon Go, but I I can. But doesn't necessarily that, have to. That's yeah. Nice but thing. I can admit. I mean, for what it does, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. It pretty much gives you more reason to go harder on Pokemon Go because everything you do matters in Pokemon Go. Yeah. Pokemon Go literally is the portable half that. Yeah, that's what I was that saying. Ju- yeah, that's, that's why it says TV only because yeah. it doesn't need. Doesn't need the Switch's portable yeah, functionality. That's what goes for. Yeah. Exactly, and I mean, obviously, I play the core Pokemon RPGs too, and appreciate the deeper mechanics and all that. Not to level you do, but you know, I play them. But like, yeah, Let's Go is just like my perfect Pokemon Go companion piece. It it it's just perfect for that. And and I think um, one aspect I haven't really touched on is how it does connect with Go directly, because that is kind of interesting. So it's it's Bluetooth based. You just sync it up and it just sends stuff back and forth right away. And you'll be able to transfer Pokemon from Go into Let's Go, where according again to the series lead, that Masuda guy, um, you'll then kind of have your Pokemon live in this weird like Safari zone like park looking thing. He explained it a bit in this interview with Eurogamer, but basically it sounds like you'll be able to interact with the Pokemon there in the park in various ways through mini games and whatnot. And then you can choose to bring them into the main game possibly by having to like recatch them or something else that was a little unclear the whole thing very much is like now, the chow the garden in, um what was it in pokemon diamond and pearl whenever you transfer games through from the game boy advance slot on the bottom on the yeah. ds yeah you have to go to the pal park and you would have to recatch the pokemon oh you so were it's transferring. that so it's actually there's history of this yeah it reminded me most of what i started it reminded me most of the chow garden from sonic adventure 2 battle like at least the very quick second of footage they showed in the trailer of like all the pokemon hanging out in like this park I guess it is the pal park, but it, yeah, I just like, oh, you play mini games with them? Yeah, okay, that's the Chow Garden. But um, I guess he didn't really play mini games with the Chows, but or however you there say were it. Some, there were some. Yeah, there were some, right? Yeah, there were some pretty big ones. There was a racing one. There was a karate and one. And couldn't you download them to the Game Boy Advance as well through the Link Cable? Yeah, I'm you telling just... you, this is, who knew Sonic would influence Pokemon this hard or this much, but here we are. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of a thing. That's ha- that's kind of how it's going to work as you merge in. And one little tidbit that I particularly liked is actually accommodating the fact that Pokemon Go encourages a lot of catching of the same Pokemon. You're repeatedly catching Pokemon because you get candies and then you use those to evolve and all that. And uh, I know. Masuda, it's, it's almost like they replace the tedium of not knowing what Pokemon you're going to run into with, just, with the tedium of pretty much catching the same Pokemon over and over again. You're not wrong, but at least when you're going in and knowing you're catching them over and over again, you get to see who you're catching over and over again before you do it. So you don't have to waste your time. Imagine if it, imagine if they had the random element, see, but, 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 but then you still didn't. But this is what I'm saying, though. Like, no, I get what you mean. Like, it's, it's one at, at later portions of the game, between some item combinations and things that you have, you could pretty much always guarantee like, what Pokemon you're going to get. Yeah. And even in those wild encounters. Yeah. but No, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. It's... um. Yeah, it's it's nice that they're giving a per. They didn't say what you get if you catch all of them again and, and you know bring them over, but they said it'll be incentivized in some way, so that that's good. Um, and the the transfers also, by the way, will be one direction. They will go into Let's Go, and they will stay there. You cannot take anyone from Let's Go back into Pokemon Go. <laughs> you can only leave them in Let's Go. Let's go, Pokemon. Yeah, let's go over here where I'm never gonna take you anywhere Can't go again. back yep exactly but uh but you you know you do get rewards and stuff back in the app if you move pokemon whatnot there'll be gifts and whatnot i show in the trailer and something else that masuda pointed out um in that interview with Eurogamer is that in and of itself the fact that you could transfer pokemon into let's go is kind of a cool co-op opportunity because you can have like a kid's parent go out and work during the day and catch some pokemon 
and then they can come home and be like, hey, I got you some new Pokemon, just sort of, like, shoot them over to the, the kid's game, <laughs> which is actually kind of cool, right? Like, you could send someone to do your bidding, and then you get the Pokemon in return. And in Japan... You could give them a lame birthday present, like, here, here's, here's your birthday <laughs> present. <laughs> Dad, I, I really want the, like, $200, da, da, da. Oh, well, I got you 20 Rattatas. Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> but it, um... I yeah, got something rare. Like, I went to Japan and got you this... Whatever they have over there. I have four Genghis Khans from when I went to Australia. I could just give those out like candy three times. <laughs> and then there keep, you go. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what's funny is in Japan... For some Genghis Khan candy. Genghis Khan candy. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I could give them out like Genghis Khan candy. Yeah. Because that's literally what they would be for most people. Or no, they'd only be that for me because no one else has it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, can- it's candy I'm turning into something greater. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I was going to say is that in Japan, um, this is actually even more true because I didn't know this, but I think a Wall Street Journal journalist reported that uh said this on twitter but basically elderly population in japan loves pokemon go they use it as a pedometer and then they just catch pokemon on the side for fun so now with this sort of mechanic anytime your grandparents visit they can just bring you all these crazy pokemon from who knows where in japan like that's that's kind of neat it's a really cool mechanic and it's kind of a like i don't think there's a co-op thing like that or any sort of gifts a piece of a game to someone mechanic in like any game like this is new right no not like this not like this right so yeah it's, it's kind of a cool system yeah not that many really cool like phone to game interactivity um the only coolest one i could think of that's nothing like this but i think it's by far so one of my favorites is um playing watchdogs with someone oh yeah and you're hacking everything for them yeah that no, is really cool well you're trying to kill them it's like uh, oh right you're trying to have to say turn on them yeah, like you're there pre- is a co-op mode. Like, too, like you, pre- you like you pretty much activate like blockades. You spawn police cars. Essentially, they're just trying to run away from you as long as possible. Right. And you, the more destruction you cause, the more points you get. It's almost like the zombie U game where you have to like spend zombies, and every time they die, you get more money to buy more powerful I, zombies. And I wish, well, one, I wish Zombie U got a sequel back when Wii U was a thing because that's a really cool mechanic. The whole everything, the backpack and the touchscreen, all of it. But Watch Dogs on Wii U, what a sad situation that was. It came out eventually, but it was, like, not great of a port, not that great of a port, and it was, like, a year late, and... Because I remember I was all about Watch Dogs when it was first announced. I was super excited about it, and they said Wii U. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Or, no, I think I said it should be on Wii U. Whatever it was, (laughs) it then took, like, a year before it actually materialized, and that kind of killed the hype a little. Yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah, it... Oh well, it's such a and Watch Dogs Two is kind of interesting. Like they sort of went like punk on it, but it was still. It was. I heard so good. I yeah, yeah, it's still good. That's what I was getting at. But it had like a different vibe. It wasn't quite as like deep web or like dark web. Is more like anarchy on the internet, on normal internet that we all access. Yeah. But anyway, um, the one final element of Pokemon Go, we should, or sorry, Pokemon Let's Go, we should probably talk about is the Pokeball Plus accessory. Because it's kind of neat. It's like this weird amalgamation of the original Pokemon Go Plus watch thing and that old Pokewalker accessory that came with Heart Gold and Soul Silver. So, like, I like that one because you could still catch Pokemon in that little Tamagotchi thing. Yeah, and level up your current Pokemon. And and this will let you do both as well. It just doesn't have a screen because and it was you see, also a pedometer. This is also a pedometer, I believe, because you know. Nintendo never gives up on an idea. It's my favorite thing I say about Nintendo. They will keep hammering away until they find ultimate success. 3DS and Virtual Boy, e-reader and Amiibo, you know, it keeps going and going. So ultimately, what the Pokeball Plus is, is just a Joy-Con with a memory chip and a pedometer in the shape of a ball. 
which means you can control the entirety of Let's Go with it, right down to making the throwing motion by, you know, holding a Pokeball and sort of not letting go, but sending it in the direction of your screen. Um, But it also doubles as a Pokemon Go Plus when you use the Go app, meaning you can use it to catch Pokemon without taking out your phone. It will pulse different colors and have different light animations to indicate when there's a Pokemon near. You press the stick in the middle, it catches it and lets you know if you succeed, or attempts to catch and lets you know if you succeed or failed, and then, you know, rinse and repeat. But the way it works as an independent accessory is probably what I think is the coolest part. Like, you can transfer one of your Pokemon from Let's Go into the ball, where it kind of lives. It racks up stats. It, you know, as you walk around, you can interact with it. It will cry. It'll make cries at you. It'll have different light animations. It will even vibrate the ball in what I assume is some sort of implementation of HD rumble. So it feels like there's a little creature inside bouncing around and stuff and moving around. So you can put it on a table when you're at lunch or whatever, as all respectable adults will do when it comes out. They will. And it will, you know, if your Pokemon needs something, it will chirp, it will wiggle. And then roll off the table. And, and it'll roll off the table and break. And then you're like, great, that was my Joy-Con controller. I guess I won't play the Switch anymore. But no, it's, it's just like this really cool idea. Like if I was still a kid in my Pokeholic Prime, this would blow my mind. Like this is the closest thing to having an actual Pokemon. Like it's so cool. I mean, will I buy it today? No. But as a kid, I would have been all about it. I am, however, 99% sure I'm getting Pokemon Let's Go itself. I mean, it'll be available at Demo at E3. So next episode, we'll have hands-on impressions of it. At least I will. I are you even going to try it? I mean, you have no interest. Nope. Okay. Well, I'll have hands-on impressions. But assuming it's not a total train wreck, which is going to be hard for it to be, um, come November 16th, I am looking forward to joining Team Eevee because Pikachu has been in the spotlight long enough, and it's time for change. Change we can believe in. Eevee. Team Eevee. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's actually kind of interesting how Eevee got chosen as like the other Pokemon against Pikachu. Pokemon Company's official line is that Eevee was your rival's Pokemon back in Pokemon Yellow. Like you had Pikachu, they had Eevee. So it's a throwback that's in line with the remake aspect. But separately, Masuda was telling The Verge that Eevee is actually one of the most Pokemon, most Pokemon, most popular Pokemon in fan art. And they decided to include Eevee as a nod to that community. Yeah, you do see a lot of Eevee fan art in conventions and Eevee-related shirts and all the revolutions. So that's why we have Eevee against Pikachu. That's the reason. It's because of the fans. I personally would have wanted uh, Bidoof. Yeah, that would have been way more interesting. That actually, right? That would you like, have bought it if it was Bidoof? I would have considered it just because it's so absurd. Yeah, Masuda says he wanted Psyduck, but Psyduck's too close in coloring and shape to Pikachu, so they couldn't do Psyduck. And also, no one cares about Psyduck. I'm sorry, Masuda. But mm. he also said Caterpie's one of the Pokemon he hates the most. Well, not hates, but when they were beta testing the game or alpha testing or whatever they're doing, the game's not done. He had Caterpie follow him around a lot. And he just got sick of seeing Caterpie, and now he doesn't like Caterpie. So, oh. so if you're wondering what Papa Pokemon thinks of his children, Caterpie's the one that he would send to the orphanage first. Yikes! Yeah, that got that got <laughs> dark fast. But yeah, I mean, would you? Who's your ideal Pokemon that you'd like? I'd have Bidoof. I mean, obviously Chantalot. That'd be pretty good, actually. That's better than Bidoof because Chantalot can sit on your shoulder. Bidoof. He could he, he's a beaver. I don't know where he'd go. And, and he's like a yak back. He, you can say stuff to it and it'll yak it back. That'd be a cool feature if like in the game you can send your friend messages through their chat talks. Uh, you know, Nintendo. Chat talk did do that for a while in Pokemon Diamond. Like his, uh, He had a unique move called Chatter. And it was he was the only Pokemon that could learn it. It was the only like really good special attacking bird move that yeah. could also confuse your opponent. But you could record your voice and it would say that whenever he would attack. 
and it would also work online. Oh no! And then that, oh no! And then that eventually that move got banned in tournaments, and because of that, mm-hmm. and also got banned online, and eventually they just got rid of the ability to record something. That's why I'm saying it makes sense in Let's Go because Let's Go is very specifically limited to just friends online. So like, who will know the difference, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless Intel monitors every message, but I don't think they have the resources considering they couldn't even keep Meverse open. So, probably okay. But yeah, we just spent quite a bit of time discussing a game you have said multiple times you're not buying. So, how about we talk about a game you probably are interested in and change things up a little? Team Sonic Racing. I assume you're interested in this, considering little, your yes. fandom of Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed. Um, One would say, yes. Yeah, like like pretty much every game at E3 this year, poor Sonic got leaked early by Walmart, which is going to be the running theme of this episode, probably. Uh, and it led Sega to do kind of this weird... It's like a two-prong rollout of the game. Like, it got leaked one morning. Sega put out a 20-second trailer. Then they sort of announced it formally like a week later with like 40 seconds of footage. And then they let one website go hands-on with it. And now everyone else has to wait till E3. But... All that means we actually kind of know what the game's about, finally. And now it's officially out there. We can say RIP to both the all-stars of Sega and the transformation mechanic of the last Sonic Racer because they're just nowhere to be found. Two they're things I really like about back. the game. Yeah. It, but I do kind of like the new mechanic. Like, the new hook is right in the name. It's team gameplay. And it's no longer just about how you, as an individual racer, will do. Instead... Some of the in-game items, which cleverly are now wisps, instead of just being miscellaneous. Yeah, I like that they're all wisps. It's, yeah, there's 14 different wisps. Yeah. And they, some are offensive, some are de- defensive, not... Some are offensive, not offensive. Some curse <laughs> you out. Some some call you racial epithets. Like, no, it's... Uh, they're, um, yeah, 14 different moves. And the thing that's new with this is because it's team-based, the wisps you get will sometimes benefit other people on your team. And you'll actually be able to request a wisp from teammates. So if you're stuck in the back of the pack, for example, you can have a teammate up front provide an item that will boost you forward. And then collectively, as a team, you earn points or something, presumably off tricks and like, that builds up this thing called the Team Ultimate Power Meter. And when activated, it gives everyone on your team a boost. And all this leads to what is probably the biggest twist. This game is no longer about whether you and you alone end up in first place. The winners will be determined by a combination of scores from each person on your team so you collectively need to do well you can get first and your teammates can get seventh eighth ninth anywhere up to 12th and you'll lose you get first and they get second third you'll win it's like a collective effort which is very different for a kart racing game you know like it's it really separates it from mario kart now yeah i don't really know how to feel about that i mean just from watching the gameplay videos it looks like the I guess the game mechanics that I really also like from Sonic Osprey's Racing, like the way you drift, the way tricks are performed. Um, I mean, that still looks intact, but the fact that, I, not, yeah. that I have to worry about other people, I don't know. I, I have to. I just have to play to really see how it's, that plays out. I mean, it's different, but I mean, Mario Kart has a mode like that that's somewhat similar, except it's not. Yeah, I mean, it just splits into Team Blue or Team Red, and collectively as a team you have to score more points than your opponent which by, is literally what this is yeah. yeah the only difference is that that one has some other game mechanics built into it that help your teammates in the back the other one doesn't and wait which one doesn't which one doesn't Mario Kart doesn't oh team yeah, yeah and Team Sonic obviously doesn't yeah so yeah, I mean like there's a reason why like... I mean there's a reason why I never play that mode so <laughs> we'll see what if they can yeah. do something that makes it it's, I mean I heard you could still play 
a more traditional racing game inside of this one, but because it's not the focus of it, we'll see. Yeah, it's it's to me it sounds really cool. Like it's funny because on the surface, to me at least, like this kind of felt like a downgrade from Sonic and All Stars Racing Transform. Like it's just back to the Sonic universe. The visuals don't seem all that exciting. There's no transformations, but then I don't know the gameplay. I, I'm I'm on board with it just because it's so different. Like I want to try it for myself at E3. It will be at E3. We should both probably try. It. We should race each other with teams of random strangers but like yeah conceptually it's just nice to have a kart racer that isn't the same like even sonic and all-stars racing transformed like the the idea of you're on water you're on land you're in the sky diddy kong did that that's not that groundbreaking this actually feels not only one race you're not to... that's true but does that actually and the track also changed at the same time too there was a lot oh, of that's true. well that's exciting yeah they combined a bunch of different elements yeah it, right. it was pretty i mean in diddy kong racing you could just pick the hovercraft which i usually did pick yeah, just be the hovercraft for everything, time. and completely it would, yeah. ignoring a lot of the aerial parts. That's or true. The, I mean, That's if you're true. playing, you pretty much ignore all of the road parts. I'm not giving uh, Sonic and All Stars enough credit. You're right; it is pretty different. But and Sumo to to Team Sonic Racing's credit, Sumo Digital is developing this one too. So it is the same people that did Transformed. It is, as you know, it's a lot of the same mechanics. It's just the core element is totally different. And the game, actually, speaking of Diddy Kong Racing, it does borrow some stuff it has an adventure mode kind of like Kong racing it's going to introduce you to game mechanics and characters over the course of whatever the story is it will have a story and they're going to be i think they said 15 different sonic characters planned um they're going to fall into one of three different classes and you can then customize them on top of that with new looks and abilities and other stuff to really kind of like make a custom team it's very much like overwatch or something but for racing in that regard yeah so so we'll see i mean it, it we there's a lot we don't know like the press release makes it sound like the adventure mode will support multiplayer online so you could do like co-op adventure but i'm not sure if that's what it means they did say there's online racing for grand prix for exhibition race time trial all that stuff it's just i don't know how the adventure mode actually is going to pan out and i don't think anyone does at this point so we'll, we'll see um but if you did have doubts that this is like a full sonic game this is a full sonic game voice acted cutscenes, music by crush 40 like it's the work or well i should clarify it's music by the lead guitarist to crush 40 but it's you know as sonic as you can get for a sonic for a game. racing game yeah for a racing game i mean sega's basically treating this like it's a proper sonic game this year which i guess makes sense because they don't have a proper sonic game this year like sonic plus mania comes out next month and then there's no sonic for a while so this is sonic for 27 uh 18 and you know what year it is for 2018 and i imagine they're doing that if i had to guess because they're probably doubling down on some sort of crazy new Sonic for 2019 because they probably want to coincide it with the Sonic movie. Because hmm. they're coming the, out with a Sonic yeah, movie. Yeah, the CG live action yep. thing. I didn't realize this project was so far along, but apparently they are casting people because Paramount just announced, uh, what was it, last week, that James Martin is going to be opposite a CG Sonic in Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. Is he the guy from Hop? Uh, yes. He's in Hop. Now, most people know him from Westworld or Cyclops in the original X-Men trilogy or even um, Liz Lemon's boyfriend in 30 Rock. I think his name was Chris or something like that. Most people know him for that, not for Hop. Oh, that's the first thing that popped into my head. The hit. You mean that hopped into your head? Yeah. Yeah. Because movie name. Yes. Yep. But yeah, he, um, he, yeah, he has experience in the world of acting opposite a cg animal that is the positive spin you could put on that he has experience <laughs> in being bad in being in bad movies is a negative spin you could put on that but yeah i don't know what to make of this i mean the rumors are he's gonna play a cop 
and it's gonna be a buddy cop movie with him and Sonic. Which, oh boy. which, just so we're clear, <laughs> is exactly what P- Detective Pikachu will be when it comes out six months prior to this. We have a Bugs Life Ants, Shark Tale, Finding Nemo, like weird, same concept, two different studio situation going on here, and somehow Nintendo and Sega got dragged into it. But yeah, I, I don't know if that's actually true. But that came out of a rumor that Paul Rudd was being considered for the role. Paul Rudd obviously didn't get. It. But I, don't, I have no reason to not believe that it's a buddy cop movie. So, and I'm sure Sonic's gonna make out with a human girl at some point, just to, you know, for the fans <laughs> out there, for the diehards who just love Sonic 06. But yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, what what would you even want out of a Sonic movie? Like, I this doesn't sound great. But I mean, I think it should be fully animated. I'm not against the Sonic movie. I never really asked for one, so I, mean, I can't really I think, think anyone did. <laughs> So well, that's out there. I mean, I don't know. For me personally, I would probably would have liked an all CG Sonic movie. Mm. Like that way they can go like with Mario. That way they could go more all out in the environmental design, just crazier things, and have it set in Mobius, have it set in whatever crazy Eggman thing. I mean, just by making it live action, you're inherently hindering a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I mean. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah. it has to be grounded. Yeah, you and can't have to some extent. I mean, yeah, to some extent. I mean, it's it's harder to sell you on buff knuckles in the real world, even though there's a talking hedgehog right next to you, than it is in an animated world. Yeah, and Sonic is automatically gonna he's gonna look weird. Like, yep. he, even if they make him, if they make him look true to the way he looks, like completely, it's gonna look weird. If they make him change some change some aspects about him, maybe I don't know. They're gonna do something to his fur. It's gonna look weird. He's gonna look like the Puma Sonic shoe. His whole body is just gonna look like that shoe. I don't know. I feel like. They almost have to go full tongue in cheek just to make it not look weird. Just make him a Muppet. I don't know. <laughs> that actually kind of yeah. awesome. I would watch that movie. Some sort of puppet. Thing. What if they did a crossover with our imaginary Mario movie, and then Kevin Hart is Toad as a cameo in the, oh. <laughs> in the Sonic movie? I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, Paramount Mario, and Universal Mar- have worked together before. Mario and Sonic in the hood instead of Mario, Mario and Sonic, Sonic in the Olympics. Olympic yeah, <laughs> they could even say it at the Olympics. Maybe a crime happens. I don't know. Oh. Said at the 2020 Olympics here in LA, even though it comes out in 2019. We send the future. It could be like Blade Runner LA with Sonic and Mario and Toad and just throw in Detective Pikachu while you're at it. Why not, right? Just just make it a fun just make it the Smash Bros of crossover movies imagine, you never wanted. I could imagine um Kevin Hart Toad being so popular that he eventually gets his own another like spin off show. Like Of course he will. Like a Netflix T V series and of course then he will. he'll have like his own but, right but, at, but, at Universal. But we all know if it goes to a Netflix TV series, Kevin Hart's going to dip out and it's going to be some sound alike that doesn't sound alike because Kevin Hart has a very distinct Kevin Hart voice. Well, they'll probably have Bowzilla do it. Bowzilla. Um, Eric Bowser. That's his Twitter handle name. He's like a, he's a dude that does a bunch of voices right now. He's like a modern day. I can't remember the name of the guy. Um, Mel Blank. I, th- I honestly thought you were going to be like, he just does a good Kevin Hart impression. So. No, but, but he also does like impressions. <laughs> yeah. Like he he's a. What is it? I want to say he's a Filipino man, but I don't, I don't know. But for like the Madagascar TV show and stuff, like they've had him sub in for um, Chris Rock, and he does uh, like a like you can't even tell. You know, I have a hot take. Difference. Hot take. Kevin Hart is just Chris Tucker 2.0. Well, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a hot take. Apparently, it's a cold take because you were so like duh. <laughs> but yeah, like it's intonation, everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's just shorter. Um, you, uh, I, well, I'm like kind of like at a loss for words. But essentially, <laughs> I it was a hot, it was the hottest of takes. See, one of the first movies I saw Chris Tucker in was in um, 
Rush Hour. Yeah, I Ru- well, yeah. I didn't even see Rush Hour one. I've only seen Rush Hour two. I've never seen a Rush Hour movie. Really? Really? Huh? I know. Only watched two. It's weird. It's the only one I would recommend. Well, because you've only seen that one. Yeah. I can't recommend the one I haven't seen. I mean, so I I'll recommend the one I, have I haven't seen. I haven't heard very good things about three. Oh, three's supposed to be horrible. Um, One's supposed to be okay. Or good, obviously. And everyone seems to just love part two. But. I don't think it, that was your main point, though. No, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, the way he acts in that movie alongside Jackie Chan, like, he's always like the. He's just always like wild and. He's the cookie. calm. He's the weird guy to Jackie Chan straight man. Yeah. yeah. And then when you see Kevin Hart in his. um, What, what is it? Ride Along? Yep. Or when he was also riding along with The Rock, he's always like the the cookie comic relief. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's he's he even has kind of has the same kind of high pitched voice. Yeah, that's know. why I was getting at is they talk the same way exactly, like yeah. the exact same intonation at the exact same time. You can overlay them saying something, and it would just sound like you have stereo sound. Like it would just be the. What same. did happen to Chris Tucker? You know, the world's wondering about him and Brendan Fraser. Actually, Brendan Fraser they got their profile on recently. We know where Brendan Fraser is. But I don't know what happened to Chris Tucker. What happened to Brendan Fraser? Hollywood got to him. Apparently he got groped or something. I don't know. It's, it's... Huh. Yeah, like, I mean, other stuff happened too, but he was like, like, he got groped, no one would listen to him, if I remember correctly. And then he's like, you know what, screw this, and just left the industry. Huh. Interesting. Remember when we were talking about uh, Pokeballs that light up, and now we're talking about groping? What is going on in this? We are random Nintendo today. None of this is even Nintendo. It's not. Nope. We, yeah, we haven't talked about Nintendo for Well, Kevin Hart is Toad is what got us here. Yeah, but we're talking so, about Sonic in yeah, the movie. That's true. But yeah, I um, yeah, I, I agree with you. It needs to be a full CG movie, like not. Yeah. And even... Detective Pikachu works because that's what the main game's premise is. It's like a Pikachu in, the, in like... I mean, it's a Pokemon world, but it's like a human world. But... I'm just waiting for those first images of the Mario CG movie to come out for the internet to go nuts all over them. I know. You know, I have... Whether it be in a good way or a bad way. I will say... Because Mario looks too blah blah or looks too blah blah. I have hope. Everything that has been doing with Mario lately makes him seem perfect for CG. Like the... We'll talk about when we talk about Mario Tennis, but there's that Ralph Nadal commercial for Mario Tennis. Mario's great in that. And doesn't look out of place in the human world, even though he's playing against a real tennis person. There's... You know the Olympic stuff they did. Back also, at not the last talking game. as much as we've not talked about. I know. Before. Yeah. Well, apparently, rumor has it, Charles Martinet might be credited on Wreck-It Ralph two. That's interesting if that's true because one, I just spoiled a big surprise for everyone. Well, I remember in Wreck-It Ralph one, there's someone. I remember there was like some directorial people talking that they wanted to. Yeah, have... they wanted him in the sequel. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting in particular because Mario is now shacked up with Universal, the theme park, the movies produced by Universal. Illumination, you know, Illumination Entertainment is Universal, or whatever they're called. But he's going to be in a Disney movie. Interesting. And will that Mario's voice be different because it's a different, it's like different extended universe, like mm-hmm. the Wreck-It Ralph Disney extended universe, especially with Wreck-It Ralph Two. The extended universe is just the Disney universe. Well, they have every in Wreck-It Ralph Two. I'm sure he's going to look on model. As, of course he is. Yeah, and but, I, but, but, in, the, well but in, in the other universe, he's definitely going to be stylized in some way. Maybe. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because that's just what Illumination does. All their characters have this. Dialogue, oh no! Don't give him the tiny legs and the big fat belly. He's oh, gonna God. have tiny legs and a big fat no, belly. I, no, I, I can almost guarantee that. No, I don't think Nintendo would go for that. Because keep in mind, Miyamoto's a exec producer on. Hey, this you thing. don't know. He's a he's a creative consultant and. Exec. Yeah, but Miyamoto also was okay with them making him look the way he does in all his other games. Mario looks pretty. That's because Miyamoto drew him. Wait, what? What do you mean? No, that, I mean Mario that's... has Mario already has a bunch of different existing art styles. That's true. That's I mean, true. he's in paper and one of them, for God's sakes. For God's sakes, his paper. His paper, damn it. I don't yeah. see why Miyamoto... What if he just happens to like the design? Like, oh, I like That's it. True. Oh, I hope Miyamoto has better... T- you know what? We're going to corner Miyamoto at E3 this week. That sounds bad. We're going to corner him at E3 this week, and we're going to be like, 
you better make Mario legs be like tree stumps. They better not be twigs. They gotta be thick with two seeds. Like anything that keeps them away from the despicable me look is what I'm saying. And Miyamoto's gonna get escorted out by security and we're gonna lose out. Oh, I mean, that's kind of the elimination weekend. style. I mean, even the animals in... I haven't seen the movie, but obviously we've all seen trailers. Yeah. Um, the Secret Life of Pets. Oh, Like, yeah. all yeah. the animals there, most of them that's have, true. like, normal-sized bodies, but they have really skinny legs. I don't know what it is with want elimination more. and super I, skinny legs, but... They're just... They're skipping leg day is what's happening. Unless the character calls for stumpy legs. For the most part, everyone has very skinny, strong Mario legs. arguably can have stumpy legs. What if they just get rid of his legs? Just put his feet on his stomach. Problem solved. He always has something in front of He's his basically, legs. Yeah, it's like when they do shots of people that are pregnant in TV shows, but they're not pregnant in the show. They're just pregnant in real life. He just, you know, oh, he's walking across this, the room. That's weird. Why is there a computer monitor after computer monitor after computer <laughs> monitor perfectly blocking his path? Weird. Um, yeah, so maybe they'll do that. Yeah, what if the Kevin Hart Toad is in a wheelchair and is just always following him? <laughs> well, always Toad, Toad doesn't have legs. Oh, wait, he doesn't have to be in a wheelchair. Toad, he could just be blocking him. To- oh, no, Toad does have legs. Who am I thinking of? They I'm just thinking. have feet. Yeah, yeah, Toads just have feet. They're, they're like a snowman with feet. Like, their body's snowman shape, kind of. Yeah. So it's that would be with an open shirt, of course, because they're stylish. Trying, like to figure, try, trying to figure out how their feet move to cause locomotion is really <laughs> it's, weird. You don't, it's the same with Kirby. Yeah. Kirby to make zero sense. Like, it, it Where are his internal organs? His mouth is his body. I mean, he how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> I will say, of any character that would make sense in the Illumination style, ironically enough, Sonic. Yeah, he would be perfect like that. He already has super skinny. Yeah, he'd be perfect. Even buff knuckles would be perfect. Their tails would be weird, but the other two. they probably would. They, they were probably trying to get that license for a long time and just settled for Mario. They're yeah, like, well, oh, settled for Mario. Yep, yeah. the biggest franchise in the world. Mario because so... they they prioritize skinny leg designed. Oh, characters okay. So I was say Mario's having a moment right now. I mean, not just with Nintendo. He's referenced in two currently very big hip hop songs. Cardi B says she gets that coin like Mario. And Kanye on his new album that came out yesterday says that this isn't Mar- uh, something about Mario and life is a game or something like that. But they both name drop Mario. So that's the bigger grab. Because, you know, if you got Kirby and Kanye name dropping him, yeah. that the value of your license goes up. That's what I'm saying. But anyway, with that, <laughs> I don't know how we transition away, so I'm just going to say it. We're on to our next game, Mega Man. Turns out uh, Sonic's not the only mascot that's mixing up gameplay. Like, he does the cart thing, and now Capcom's revealing that, uh, that in Mega Man 11, they're changing up a little bit of how the game works because they're introducing something called the Double Gear system. And, you know, you'll still be able to grab powers from defeated Robot Masters and kind of and have, have those become your abilities in the game. But there's now separately the second layer on top of it where you can trigger one of three abilities anytime you three. or one of two plus one that combines them anytime oh. you want so with the press of one shoulder button you get the speed gear which lets you uh, essentially slow down time so if there's tricky platforming you can just take it slow or if you press the other shoulder button you get the power gear which lets you basically build up your mega blaster charge even more and also enhance other weapons you may have the third gear the double gear is one that lets you do both speed and power at the same time but only if you're in critical health and it will trigger itself or let you or it'll tell you when you can trigger it so that's kind of this new layer there's the standard robot master stuff and then there's these three modernizations if you will of mega man yeah i mean on a surface level just by looking at the trailer it just looks like the gear system just makes the game easier yep i haven't really seen how it enhances the game well apparently the robot masters also have access to these abilities so as you're fighting them they'll do them on you which isn't exactly making it hard or easy it's just 
I it's mean, it's baked in more than just an easy mode. Yeah, I mean, I I saw like one of the battles. It's like the bad guy is moving so fast you can't see him unless you're in slow motion. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and assuming that they have something beyond that because if that's what they're gonna do, like oh, you can't hit this boss unless you hit slow him with down. unless you slow him down yeah. or this boss has impenetrable armor unless you use a supercharged beam. Yeah, then that doesn't really it's not that change exciting. much. No. Yeah. But it, it's, it's almost like a new Super Mario Brothers of situation, yeah. kind of. But but it's weird because like they're making all new Robot Master designs. Like every ability you're gonna get is new in this game. They're making it so you can apparently. I didn't see this in Capcom's official PR, but someone that I was reading referenced this as a thing. You can actually switch robot abilities, Robot Master abilities on the fly, which I feel like has happened in a Mega Man game before, but it's definitely not like commonplace in the series to be able to. At any time in the middle of level, just switch your robot ability out. Later ones could, but not all. Like it's, this is kind of back to basics, isn't it? Or wasn't it? Mega Man Nine and Ten was a reset. Now I guess they're just wait. So back. you can't change anymore? No, you can anytime oh. instead of just outside levels, which is why well, I remember no, from back. You could in the, even in even? the old one. Really? Yeah, it's just in the pause menu. Oh, what changed was that before? Oh, now it's without be, pausing. Be, be, before okay. it was like I think in like the first couple Mega Man's I know on the NES, it was like a clunky menu where yeah. you would press start. Even on the Game Boy, you could change mid level. You would I don't uh, remember this. You would just go to the pause menu. You would switch to the weapon you want, and then you would press unpause. Well, and then now... at, and then at some point, I think starting with all the Super Nintendo ones, you could just press L and R. Oh, so I guess they're okay. That's not a big deal then. <laughs> that's why it wasn't in the PR. It's a standard thing. But but either way, I guess uh, the big takeaway here is, for me at least, I don't think it's so much like, is this a good or bad system for Mega Man? Like, well, we can try it at E3 and tell everyone next episode. I don't mean to keep B, like, we'll be at, we'll try it at E3, but I'm saying, like, next episode, guys, listen for these impressions if you're curious. But, um, you know what, you know what the thing is about this? I just feel old. Let me, let me explain. Please do. We've lived through the evolution of Mega Man already as well as countless other games that went from, like, you know, the NES one into the Super Nintendo one where apparently there's this LNR trick I didn't know and then into the PS1 <laughs> version, whatever, LNR standard feature and then into the, you know, PS1 games and whatnot. And then we lived through the throwback where it went back. So we went, like, super advanced and then it went back again to the NES with Mega Man 9 and Mega Man 10 and it was kind of like a reset and they stripped everything out. And now we're living through the second buildup of fancy new features in the game. Like they went, oh, we went, we did all this stuff. Now we're taking it away. Now we're bringing it back. It's just like, wow. We're old if we've been able to live through two cycles of enhancements and removal and enhancements. Like Rush is back. Rush the dog's back. He can Now you can use him with a button press. That's quote unquote new, but isn't because like, we've had forever the, the weapon changing which i somehow didn't know existed is a thing we had before but now it's introduced as new even like uh the fact that there's a storyline yeah there's they're hyping it up like now it's a story it's like right everything super nintendo on had a story what is your point like it's just weird Maybe mega man's the first one had a story. i mean it's a loose story yeah but and they're saying it's pretty loose here too but it's basically like we're old enough that all these games are not only going back to nostalgia, but then being like, oh, there's so many people that never played it earlier. We can just rebuild in the same features as if they're new. It's weird. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just a weird thing to live through. Like, New Super Mario Brothers did it. We talked at the top of the show about, you know, how they added the Mario World map and more power-ups over time. That's literally this. They stripped everything out, then put everything back. I'm sure Sonic Mania, wherever it goes after Plus next month, probably going to see it start stacking in new features. It's just weird. We're old. Do you think it'll be called Sonic Mania 2, or do you think it'll be called something else entirely because it's not really a 
amalgamation of everything um, Sonic. Maybe Sonic, m- Sonic Manic. Just gonna get Sonic, <laughs> Sonic, Sonic Manic. <laughs> Sonic Manic Depression. Why did you call it know. Sonic Manic? Sonic, Sonic <laughs> Manic, yeah. No, I don't know. I was trying to think of a word that would be like, worse than me. Sonic Psychotic Break. Sonic Hysteria? Sonic Hysteria. There's the word I was looking for. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know where it's going, but it's just weird that we've now lived through the build up, the strip down, and the build up again. Like we're we're all like it, even the gap between mainline game releases is starting to shrink. It feels like, like I remember when like Mario Sunshine came out, it was a huge deal to me. I I put together this like month long countdown calendar in Word, and I'm not making this up, and printed it out and put it on my fridge, and I tear away a day, right? And you know wow. I'd like load it with different Mario art, and then as it got closer to release, it was more and more Sunshine art, like. Delfino inhabitants and whatnot. Um, yeah, I did that. It was a big deal because Mario at that point, the only other one was in 1996. That's crazy. Or like when Pokemon Gold and Silver came out. It felt like an eternity waiting for those to come out. And it's so exciting when they did. But now like, now it's just kind of like, oh yeah, there's a new entry. I mean, yeah, it took four years to go from Skyward Sword to Breath of the Wild. That's big. But it's kind of like, yeah, I have like six Zeldas under my belt. Okay. Or like, you know, 3D World to Aussie. That was a long time. You could argue Galaxy 2 to Odyssey was a very long time, but it's just kind of like, yep, there's another Mario. Especially because we know years in advance and we see it get built up slowly. It's just, I don't know. It's like the the, the time span, especially Mario Karts, actually. Those feel like they're always coming out. But the, but my point is... they're consistent. But yeah. yeah. But it's just like the... the maybe, maybe it's just showing my age here. I don't know. But like just it feels like everything's squishing down. Like the time between games is shorter, it feels. It isn't, but it feels like it is. Well, it's, the uh, the, thing about, I mean? the the thing the thing about humanity is that the older you get, the faster time. Th- seems the, to go. I mean, basically, the older you get, the less new things you experience. True. On average. True. And when you're growing up, let's say up until your college years, because even during your college years, you're experiencing a lot of new I like things. I you took day. like a philosophical tone while saying all this. You're you're talking more like this, <laughs> but you're saying yeah, and and that's like every day seems longer. I mean, that's why a lot of people say like high school felt like forever, middle school right. felt like and college forever. goes by in an instant. Yeah. yeah, because by then like you start to fall into your routine. By the time you graduate from college and you're getting your day job, almost every day you could a whole week you could you could yeah, you could summarize probably a whole month with like a sentence you would use for one day at any given day. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and everything just goes by and yeah, before you know the year is over, you didn't really do anything that different unless you're in the middle of some crazy oh, transition right. years over you wasted it you're wasting your life that's like i mean we're like wow it's been six years since we graduated we had smash brothers announced. we had the wii announced the wii u announced the wii u die well to put in some weird perspective and just this last po- couple of times i mean it didn't even feel like it was that long ago to put in perspective we launched this podcast in 2011 november 2011 with mario kart 7 and zelda skyward sword we have since gotten mario kart 8 8 Deluxe. And Deluxe. And we've gotten the entire hype cycle of a Zelda and its DLC. And we went through an entire system's life. And the launch of a second system. Exactly. It, yeah, it's... Like, I feel like we're one step away from just, like, questioning our own mortality. So maybe we maybe we should steer off this. But it's weird. Like, I feel like the Mega Man thing, like, it's... Okay, sure, it could back be... back really... in my day to... From some of my students. Oh, no. Sometimes Ooh. It's... And you're younger than me, and you're using that? Oof. That makes me feel real old. You should be. You're like ancient. Okay, I'm six months. You have old. great I'm hairs. Five months. Okay, but I'm five months older. And wow, you just put me on blast on the podcast, huh? No one can see my face, but that doesn't stop or my hair, but that doesn't stop you. Apparently, he is like George Clooney. I'm not George Clooney. The better one to say would have been Anderson Cooper, which I'm also not whatsoever. Just Ooh. so we're clear, Anderson Cooper from CNN. This episode's um, all over the map. <laughs> anyway, I, you know I don't watch that. 
Yeah, but he's like well known. He, to, for those that don't know what's going on, he just sort of gave me a like what like hand gesture. So. It wasn't a what. It was more like it was like yeah, uh-huh. because I have to know every celebrity. That's why he's well known and not just known. But no, it's fine. Let's 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 get back to Mega Man because I just realized I forgot to say something about Mega Man. Like the game could be great. This was just me having an epiphany that my life is spiraling out of control and it's in it's going to quit. No, I'm kidding. It's not spiraling. But um, Mega Man. I did want to mention before we switch topics. If you plan to pick up the Switch version of Mega Man anywhere, anyone listening out there, there's actually a special edition just for you. The Amiibo edition of Mega Man 11. Capcom will be releasing a new Mega Man Amiibo in a more dramatic pose than the original Mega Man Amiibo. And will only be available in a bundle with the game, a cleaning cloth of the stage select screen, which actually looks kind of cool, a Dr. Wily patch, and as per usual with every single special edition of a Switch game at this point, some character stickers. So you get all that for 60 bucks. No Worldwide. idea what the Amiibo... What? Worldwide? US only. Oh. In Japan, they'll sell the Amiibo separately. In Europe, you don't even get a physical copy. Sorry, guys. I don't know why, but it's digital only for you. But the, the thing is, here in the States, you can get it for $60 from GameStop exclusively right now. You can just literally type it in as you're listening to us. But I cannot tell you what the Amiibo does because no one knows what the Amiibo does. They're selling it, but they're not saying what it does. So I guess it's just a collectible at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I would love for it to do nothing. That'd be great. Or it's just like you tap it and it's it, just like... It just makes like uh, the pew-pew sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> or like you tap it and it brings up the pause menu with the more elaborate way to change <laughs> costumes or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's coming out October 2nd, so they have plenty of time to tell us what it does. I just hope that anyone that buys a physical edition doesn't accidentally get a blank like code card. or like I hope it has everything it needs. Because Mega Man Legacy Collection, which has been out a couple weeks, for those who don't remember on switch it comes with the first Mega Man legacy collection on the cartridge and you download the second but there have been numerous people who open the box and the code for the second game isn't there like the paper is and it says here's your download code and then the box is just an empty white box so i think someone's gonna get the Mega Man um 11 collection here or a uh, edition and they're gonna open it and they just won't have their amiibo just gonna have triple the stickers so don't be that guy is what i'm saying but, uh, yeah, if you're looking for something a little more immediate on Switch, we've got you covered as well because there's always Paladins. That's another announcement that's happened. It comes out June 12th, the same day as Nintendo's E3 Direct. And, um, yeah, it's a thing. That's all I got. Yeah. No, my <laughs> no, my, uh, my gut feeling, I feel like Paladins originally was going to be a surprise release. Like, they are going to shadow drop it. They are just going to be like, it's out now. Yeah, but, like the Yarn Yin Yarn. Or right, whatever. like like uh, Unravel 2. Sure. Also known as Yin Yarn to one person, and his name is Angel. But, uh, yeah, I feel like it was going to shadow drop, but then because everything's getting leaked, of course this also got leaked. But to Walmart's credit, not their fault. This leak is not Walmart's doing. This leak seems to have come from a list of third-party game demos that were set for Nintendo's E3 booth. What happened is somebody that was making the signage or putting in the order for the signage... You know how, like, the Switch kiosks have those banners at the top that say the name of the game? Yes. Yes. So they have to make those banners with somebody somewhere. So it was an order form that was like, we need six of these banners, two of these banners, four of these banners, here are the dimensions, here's the asset artwork. And someone just took a picture of that order form, which had all the logos nicely laid out... And posted it on the internet. Hmm. So I'm sure that sign company's never making a sign for Nintendo again. I'm sure Nintendo's going to cut them loose as a result. But on the other hand, 
we got to learn that Paladins is coming to Switch, that Fortnite is coming to Switch, that Overcooked is getting a sequel, and that Switch Sweet. versions of Dragon Ball Z, uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, I mean, is coming. And uh, Monster Hunter Generations will be playable at E3, and Ubisoft Starlink, their kind of amiibo-esque space shooter thing, that's also going to be playable at E3. Um, yeah. It all just kind of came out. Luckily, they didn't leak any first-party stuff, because that, I feel like, it would have actually been a bummer. But it's still kind of um, interesting that just sort of happened. Like, I feel like in all the years of E3, in all the people that make the banners and make the boots and design everything and build everything and implement everything, we've never actually gotten just pieces of the booth leaked like this. People will sneak in and take photos of a booth. Yeah, like I remember... But you've never had, like, the the behind-the-scenes, in-the-process-of-it-being-made leaks. Remember many, many, many threes ago, someone leaked a picture from inside the convention center of yes. the Nintendo booth, like, covered in, I guess, sheets? It had white sheets. Yeah, people and were you able could to... see Mario. Yeah, people were able to make out that it was, like, a some Mario character. They figured it... out it was uh, New Super Mario Bros. Wii. Yeah, something like that. Good times. But that, yeah, that one, like, those leaks are fun. This one just feels mean. <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're, you're just ruining people's jobs or like you know even the esrb smash bros like leak remember when all the footage came out of the esrb oh yeah like three weeks before like, they were going to the final reveal yeah that one's kind of like dude don't like don't show how the sausage is made either sneak in to the sausage factory and eat the sausage and tell us how it tastes or like this is a weird analogy or just like wait till we have the sausage ourselves but to go in and be like here's the ingredients i'm gonna lay them out for you just i don't know it feels extra mean for some reason this is a horrible analogy but it's too late. I can't take it back. But anyway, so what we learned from that leak is that in addition to um, you know Paladins and Fortnite and Dragon Ball all being confirmed, which we sort of thought was coming. We've talked about it on the show before. I think all three. So we know that. But we also know that there's this game called Killer Queen Black, which is it's an arcade game, a multiplayer arcade game that is exactly like Nintendo's type of game that they would highlight in their booth randomly like it's this niche thing it's very popular in this world but no one else really knows about it and now it's like here's a special edition for switch so we know that and we know overcooked saying a sequel because of course it is there's no way it wouldn't it's such a successful game but yeah that's that's pretty much all there is to it at this point um we're not gonna dive too deep into what this all means because it we know what it means they're probably just playing switch and by the time you listen to this most of the games will be official so we'll talk about when they're official but the one we can talk about now because it is official, is Paladins. Um, Paladins yes. has had a history. Paladins first got leaked on this, then it got leaked on the eShop, where I, I don't know why Nintendo still has this, but you can somehow find what's been uploaded to the eShop through like a backend server access thing, and it'll show you like the name of the game page being created, and like if JPEGs of the icon are uploaded and everything. It's exactly how... Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, the 3DS remake, how that got leaked like three months before it was announced because Nintendo was uploading the assets already. And the same access path has given us Paladins, which is now confirmed and also shows Fortnite as coming out pretty soon or being listed pretty soon. So that's probably going to be another surprise drop on Tuesday. Anyone listening more than 48 hours from now will probably be like, correct or nope, you're wrong because it will have already happened or not. But either way, um, we got that as confirmation that this is happening. And then just to make it worse for all these developers involved, including the Paladins guys, Destructoid broke their NDA and in the article about this leak confirmed that they know at least some of the games are real because they have appointments to play them scheduled for E3, which is like NDA suicide. Like, why would you... The whole point of the NDA is you can't say you know about a thing 
even if you're like, I know about some of the things, but not all of the things, you're still saying you know about something on that thing. So that's the end of the structure as we know it? No, it's probably <laughs> fine. I thought they'd take that uh, statement down, but they haven't, which is weird. But basically what I'm saying is... They're this, owning it? They're owning it, yeah. This is single-handedly the safest leak of all time to report as fact. So, And then Paladin's becoming real confirms it as fact, which now brings us again back to Paladin's. So, I don't know much about Paladin's. Do you know much about Paladin's? Um, I've seen some gameplay of it. It looks like Overwatch. It's like a team-based hero shooter. You, dip, you right. pick different heroes. Each hero has different abilities. You have a dude that could transform into a bomb and roll around. You have someone oh, Samus. That, a giant bomb, yeah. Not giant to be Samus. confused with their website. Um, there's ah. a... That's good. They're the person that can produce a giant shield. There's someone that looks like a futuristic gothic skeleton reaper dude. Not As you be, do, yeah. Not to be confused with the other reaper dude from Grim Overwatch. Fandango, or, oh. I thought you were say the Grim Fandango. I don't know from Overwatch. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. I mean, there's no nothing wrong with competition. But, yeah. If anything, it's a good thing that it made it to Switch because there is no market like that on the Switch. So here's, Yeah, and here's what I know about it. Honestly, Alvin. like, I mean, Blizzard, people have been begging... Blizzard to bring Overwatch over. They've yet to do anything. Maybe they can't. Maybe they don't have any plans. But, well, I mean, it's good for someone to take advantage of it. Yeah, it. I mean, my limited knowledge, is basically, yeah, it's Overwatch, Team Fortress 2, all that sort of team-based shooter. 25 million people apparently play it. The Switch version's going to have cross-play with Xbox One, starring day one when it comes out. Like, that's basically where my knowledge base is. But even with that and even with what you're telling me now I yeah it this seems like a big get for Nintendo from the second I heard it was happening like it's yeah there's literally no game like that on the Switch right now yeah I mean it's not Overwatch big but it's as close as they're gonna get for a time being and the thing is it runs at 60 frames per second it's running a custom build of Unreal Engine 3 it shows that you could potentially get Overwatch on Switch or certainly Fortnite which you know is practically confirmed at this point based on my whole little speech about how the leaks happened um and all those, in turn, just further help push Switch as a multiplayer-ready console, whether it's local or online. Like, Switch is the place to go if you want anything multiplayer, is what kind of the angle that's forming here is. Like, the, the one catch is Paladins, when it launches on Tuesday, June 12th, now confirmed, um, it won't be the free-to-play version. Paladins, by default, is free-to-play, but on Switch, that won't be coming until later in the summer. Instead, what we're getting on June 12th is kind of like a Rocket League route where they're offering the core game plus all the DLC up to this point in a set, set price. I mean, obviously Rocket League is never free to play, but the idea of like, we know you're catching up, so we'll give you a fast track by just paying one lump sum, yeah. basically. So for 30 bucks, you're going to get all the existing champions, pretty as good they price call too. them. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good price. You get all the existing champions, you get all the future ones, and you get some bonus cosmetic items versus having to buy each character as they unlock or as they get added to the game. So for now, that's the only way you get to play Paladins on Switch. And I personally don't know if I would pay thirty bucks up front. Like I, I want to try Paladins or Overwatch or something like Better that on Switch. Better than the sixty bucks but... for Mario Tennis. Well, hold on. There's a lot of content in Mario Tennis. You don't think it's worth sixty dollars? Well, 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 why don't we save that for <laughs> when we talk about Mario Tennis? It won't be long now. And I'm just kidding, but but yeah, it um yeah, like thirty is reasonable. But like I don't know what I'm getting into. I'd rather try free to play and just wait a few months. But being limited to like a Nintendo system like I am because I'm I don't own anything else which is my own fault I understand I do feel like there's this whole world of like cartoony third person or not third person or third or first person cartoony team based as I was trying to say shooters that I just haven't really experienced like you know same with Fortnite for that matter like I 
I don't know what these are like. I will get to try them on Switch, but Fortnite would probably be free, free to play. Paladin that could wait for free to play. But even then, I guess I'm not even getting the whole experience because now that I think about it, no voice chat. Yeah. Yeah, like a game like Fortnite, you apparently you, need voice chat. It's pretty integral. I've yeah, because you have to... I've never not seen Elvis not use voice chat when he's playing PUBG or Overwatch. The two other halves of those two games that you... Yeah, it, Overwatch and PUBG are the Paladins and... Or, wait, sorry. Fortnite. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You saw where I was going with this, but then I yeah. fell apart. Uh, <laughs> no, but the... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like that feels detrimental. So I definitely want to do free-to-play in case it is detrimental. Because I, I don't have a comparison point, but I can imagine it's confusing if you're like in a squad in Paladins of four random people one being a skeleton and you <laughs> you know and you can't coordinate and you just have to run and gun and hope for the best but then on the other hand as someone who only owns nintendo games i'm used to never knowing what's going on and just hoping for the best so maybe i'll find it perfectly fine even though anyone that jumps over from a different system would be hating it i don't know but yeah it, it i mean maybe they'll announce a solution at e3 if they have paladins and fortnite coming to switch this c3 and they have arena of valor coming to switch down the line already announced you kind of need some sort of voice chat solution, or you need to at least be aware that you need some sort of voice mm-hmm. chat solution. There that solution isn't is, the phone. We hired, um, what's that thing called? Um, that voice chat gaming thing. That Discord? Really yeah, they hired Discord just to do That'd be great their, their voice did. app. That'd be great. It's literally just Discord. It's just, Discord. <laughs> it's just like, you, you didn't like the Switch Online app? That's fine. Just open this other app on your phone instead. It'll be great. Yep. No integration with the system. Just flat up, just straight up. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the other thing that, now that I think about, we have all these free-to-play games coming that's worth thinking about is, you know, because we, we have Fortnite, we have Paladins, we have Arena of Valor. Arena of Valor, specifically, they just announced they're doing um, a closed beta this summer for North America. So if anyone's interested in that, you can go to the Arena of Valor website and sign up. And it, that means it'll probably come fall, I would imagine. So by fall, we're going to have three very big free-to-play games. On yeah. Switch. And that, to me, just... That's that's interesting. Nintendo's never had that before. We've had free-to-play games from time to time. I mean, Pokemon Quest, which we're not even really talking about this episode, that is a free-to-play game. Rusty's Real Deal Baseball was probably the very first free-to-play game they've had. But in that stretch between, not a whole lot. They're really, you know, it's like a Kirby game and a couple other things and a bunch of pinball games. But there's never been, like, at the forefront, high-profile, super-big-deal free-to-play games on a nintendo system and i feel like once they show up especially fortnite and to a lesser extent paladins and arena valor that's gonna be a pretty big shift on the eShop. because like right now the latter being conan's favorite game what arena valor i don't think is the one conan promotes now no didn't he promote it at one point no i think he promoted something else maybe i want to say it was arena man valor. if it wasn't we have to play it now as a conan fan yeah i'm pretty i'm like 80 percent sure it is maybe you might be right but either way like regardless of Conan's involvement in the advertising side of any of the actually no that that proves my point more like right now there's a ton of indie games that do extremely well on Switch right like we always seem to rattle off new examples so here's a couple more Wolverblade indie game seven times the sales on Switch compared to any other platform in the past month Lost Sea an indie game I admittedly have not heard of until I was looking up these stats has sold more on Switch in a few days than it sold on any other platforms combined in two years so I guess not very many people have heard of it for that matter besides me. But my point is, 
you know, there's these games that you don't know and kind of just exist, and they're able to do well and hit these goals and hit these records because Switch has an audience hungry for games, right? But now, let's say you throw in a high-profile... No, he said lineage. I told you it wasn't. But anyway, what I'm saying is now let's, like, throw in a high-profile free-to-play game into the mix, right? Let's put Paladins next to Lost Sea. Let's put Fortnite next to Wolverblade, like, in the eShop. There's going to be a chunk of folks who keep buying the indies, definitely. And I don't think the bombs would give out on the eShop as a whole or anything here or the indie scene, but this is going to be a very real scenario where a game like Pocket Rumble, which is now officially finally coming in late July. I don't even know if I want it anymore. Right, that's what I'm getting at. A game like Pocket Rumble may end up next to Fortnite or may end up next to Street Fighter or may end up next to any number of things. And if it ends up next to Fortnite or Paladins or... There's already 10 Street Fighters on right, the eShop. Yeah, or Arena Valor. <laughs> Like, why Why would someone buy Pocket Rumble over one of the 27 Street Fighters or any of these free-to-play games if they're just looking for something new to play? As more and more high-profile titles hit the eShop, especially the free-to-plays, there's going to be a shift away from these indies. They're not going to thrive. They're, they'll still be successful ones, but I don't see how they're going to thrive in the same way because people go buy an indie because they want something to play. If you are telling them, hey, you can have something to play and it doesn't cost you anything, they're probably going to gravitate towards that at least for the first few months those games are out which means all those indies in that time frame are just not dead in the water but you know it's gonna be a struggle and like in Nintendo's defense they are making moves to stop indies from being totally cannibalized but it, it's I think this is gonna be a very a very real situation that happens I mean what Nintendo's doing to try and combat it I guess preemptively is the eShop they it got an update the other day they added a new featured tab uh, which seems like you know a pretty great way to draw attention towards lesser known games and they also have added the ability to filter bestsellers by any game or just download only games so you can pretty much instantly take out all the major nintendo releases which gives indies more space to show up on the bestseller list um they've added these de- developer pages so if you like an indie developer you can click their page and it'll show you all their other games which seems like a good way to you know kind of almost like a if you like this check out that sort of thing and perhaps most notably in the simplest of ways they are upping the recent release and bestseller list to go to now show 60 and 30 games respectively instead of whatever instead of you know the 2010 whatever it is now which means if you're just like oh what's popular in the eShop and you're browsing through it you'll still see the indies because they're just showing you that much more stuff so even if they're buried by Fortnite hypothetically they're still gonna make the list you're still gonna see it as you scroll and it's still gonna be like impressive because it's on the bestseller list even though the bestseller list has 30 games on it now so Nintendo's trying like, it it steps in the right directions. I, I just don't know if they perhaps need more. Like, as these huge games like Fortnite take over and are constantly on the chart, is that... Are people going to scroll through all 30? Do they need to, like, push indies more? I don't know. I mean, at some point, I feel like I'm literally just going to be looking at the just those featured pages, and that's it. Yeah. So I guess they just need to editorialize about it. You know what they could do? You know who actually has something interesting at editorializing their eShop, or their shop, is the App Store lately. So last year... I think it was last year... Apple's App Store got a redesign where it's almost like a magazine. Like, they have articles about games and you can, like, scroll through. Like, it's, I could bring it up right now. I don't know yeah. if you, you know what I'm talking no, about. No, no, yeah, right? I have. It's kind of annoying. It's it's it, annoying, it's, but it's like what unless, if... It's like unless you already know what you want to look for, you could just type it in and find it. Yeah. But it just feels like getting... I mean, well, I guess the categories are still there on the bottom, but the it, main it feed is provide, just a... Yeah, it provides a bit of error. But what if, like, you take those editorials or you take some sort of more, like, digestible form of game information and you insert that where the game profiles currently are on the eShop 
So you still have the main you know pages to get to. So if you go featured, for example, you'll still have your tiles, but you click in and it's not just like, here's a video, here's a couple screenshots, and here's six bullet points the developer sent us. But actually kind of like it gives you a sense of what the game's about. It's almost like, like iTunes does this thing where an album comes out and they have like a four sentence blurb explaining the album. Like what, what you know, this is this, this means that. If Nintendo is something like that, where it's almost like these little quick excerpts or something where you can just kind of not have to read a 20 bullet list, I feel like that would help speed up browsability you know what i mean like yeah. it, it might it just seems like a step in the right direction i don't know it's just because the pr bullets they're all styled differently every company writes it differently some are funny some are not some have real features highlights some don't and you know anything that's more than just video chunk of text with bullets screenshot will probably engage people more and could have could help with discovery it's almost like they take the news channel and in addition to having the news channel exist, they sort of port over some of the information from the news channel into the actual game profiles. Hmm. That That's my dream scenario of what they could do. I don't know if they actually will. But it is nice to see that they are actually updating the eShop and the update's already live, at least the first of many. But you know what we won't see Nintendo do? Smooth transition. You know what we won't see Nintendo do? Quality of life. Remember that? Oh, the qual, the... The qual product. I think that at one point people said it was going to be a donut, then it was something on the side of their bed. Yeah, it was and... a sleep tracker at one point. Yeah, it's... Uh, in our final news for the episode, I can say that um, quality of life is dead, it seems. Japan's Nikkei newspaper is reporting that Nintendo is pulling the plug on that weird sleep tracker or whatever it ended up being because apparently Panasonic was supposed to be their hardware partner. They backed out back in March. I'm... At this point, more surprised it got this far than anything else. Like, I didn't even know it was still happening. I know Nintendo keeps saying it, but I thought they were just saying it, not actually doing it. But, like, I don't know. Like, the – maybe it's just me, but doesn't the Quality of Life initiative feel like it's part of an era that's by, that's gone now for Nintendo? I felt like when they started development on it, the Quality of Life stuff was at its peak, if not already starting to go into decline. And by the time they maybe presumably finished it, or we're getting close to yeah. it. It was already it's too late. Yeah, because like they, it, I feel like it's such a product of the era where Nintendo is like throwing everything against the wall to see what stuck. Like the gimmick area, er, area era. I guess it's you like could when call it. Um, DJ Hero Two came out. Like by that point, it was yeah. already too late. Yeah, it, as good as that game was, it just it, it's yeah. a very similar scenario. Like you, you missed the boat basically. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I, it's just so it's like post Wii boom. And Nintendo was in this like state of mind where we have to replicate the Blue Ocean strategy of the Wii, but we got to come up with a new thing to do it with. So they just like tripled down on gimmicks. I mean, the Wii U gamepad, as cool as it allowed a couple games to be, is essentially a gimmick. The stereoscopic 3D on 3DS, as cool as it allowed you know you to navigate your jumping better in Mario 3D Land, no one missed it in 3D World. Like it was ultimately kind of a gimmick, so much so that like 3D's dead on 3DS now. All the new games coming out done with 3D. And it feels like the sleep tracker was from that same mindset. We gotta find the next thing. You just don't know what it is. We're just gonna throw everything against the wall, see what happens, and hopefully something comes out of it. And, like, I mean, they never showed us anything of it. We never saw more than, I think, a few investment investor briefing, like, slides that had hand-drawn pictures or something. Like, it was very... Yeah. It just seemed like they didn't know what to do with the thing besides track sleep, which you can do with any number of things, including just your iPhone under your pillow. Like, there's apps for that. It just... I don't know. It, it's knowing Nintendo, there's probably more to it. 
But like, still, in the time since, like Nintendo, the Nintendo's found their way again. They don't need the gimmicks. They're, they're past that. They seem to, you know, they realize their future is IPs and expanding their IPs, be it through licensing, through games on their own systems, through games on smartphones, through movies, through theme parks, whatever it is. They realize that quality of life just doesn't need to exist. It feels very out of place in the now like character-driven era of Nintendo versus the gimmick era of Nintendo, I guess. So, I mean, on on, on the upside because we're now past that era that means they're past the gimmicks i mean the switch is actually an interesting concept stereoscopic 3d we don't need it anymore and the 3ds is still thriving as a 2ds right um and even things like labo or like the pokeball plus they're actual interesting toys more than just weird gimmicks like the fact that you can pretend you have a little pokemon in your controller makes sense for pokemon the fact that you can build things out of cardboard is a cool thing that gets into like the diy coding world these aren't just like yeah, we could track sleep. What are we going to do with it? I don't know. Let's just track the sleep and see what happens. Like, it's they're past that, which is very nice. It, it, the, it, the quality of life to me felt a lot like, remember for a minute there, Apple was going to make their own car? There were rumors that Apple was going to make a car. And I was just like, why would they make a car? They don't know how to make a car. They don't, cars are complicated. Like, you can make the software on a car, sure. But, like, there's a reason that there's only so many car companies and new ones have trouble. I mean, even Tesla's going through stuff right now. Like, it's hard. So for Nintendo to just be like, yeah, we do video games, but also like we can do medical tra- like devices, which is essentially what a sleep tracker is, like a diet medical device, like that just seemed out of left field. So it kind of kind of makes sense to me that it's not happening. But we now have the confirmation, assuming the Nikkei report's true, that's actually not happening. With that said, if you are dying for new Nintendo hardware, there's a pre-E3 bone they threw all of us, which is a Hylian Edition 2DS XL. Uh, I think we've officially entered the let's get crazy phase of 3DS designs as these this thing is basically modeled after Link's shield right down to the bumps and grooves and 3D like pop-outs. Like it's it, it comes with a, a Link Between Worlds, which is one of the few games I've actually fully beaten, for the record. And it's going to be preloaded on system and you get the whole thing for 160 Nice. Yeah. But at this point, like, I obviously would not get another 2DS, but I do appreciate that Nintendo's getting wacky with 2DS designs now. Like, it used to be, you know, they'd only change the color or print something on the surface of it or whatever. But with the 2DS now pretty much aimed at kids, why not make a crazy shape out of it? Why not do something that's totally like what a kid would want? Why not basically Fisher-Price the thing but make it look a little sleeker? Like, I feel like the Dragon Quest slime 2DS or 3DS and the Pikachu face are like the start of it. But I want them to keep going at this point. Like... Put some R-Wing wings on this thing and do a Star Fox bundle. Or, like, I don't know. Uh... Sounds like a nightmare to store away. Unless they fold into... This... Well, not not necessarily out the side. You know how the army has a little, like, above the cockpit has the... Yeah, maybe not wings. But you know above the cockpit has the little points? Mm-hmm. Put one of those on the lid. Make it look like a little cockpit. I don't know. Or, like, DK barrel. There's a better one. Have the top be rounded and have DK stamped on it. Mm. Or, like, Mario overalls. Yeah, Mario's overalls. Like they can get crazy with it because they're not overall good idea. Thanks, but my point is they can get crazy with it because like kids will love all this stuff. The the diehard Nintendo fans will still buy this stuff, and for anyone else, they're not buying 2DSs anyway, so it doesn't matter anymore. Like the reason you made something sleek is to appeal to people that want something sleek. They're on the Switch now, or they already own a 3DS or 2DS, so you might as well just like get wacky and weird. So. Yeah, I mean, because really it's a win-win at that point for Nintendo. Cause, it is. Yeah, because you appeal to the two new graphics that actually buy the thing and not hurt anyone. And yeah. You know what else is a win? I really did go back to make that win-win comment after I thought I wrapped up specifically so I could do this transition. You know what else is a win for Nintendo, in my book at least? 
Mario Tennis Aces. Well, so last weekend, it early, huh? Yeah, I am, because last weekend was the official pre-release online tournament, and as a mouthful of a name as it is, um, I think we, I think I at least came out feeling really, really good about the game. I mean, what it, you definitely put more time into it than I did. I put in triple the amount of time I expected to put in, but you played significantly more, I think. So, why, why don't you start? I mean, is it a win to you? What do you think of it? Yeah, it's definitely a win. Um, before the game came out, the whole meter management mechanic just seemed really fun. It seemed like they were adding like almost a fighting game layer to it. And in practice, it that's literally what it was. It felt like I was doing a fighting game version of a tennis match. Like, it's managing that meter, like, oh, do I want to slow down time and use it defensively, or do I want to save it up? Eventually, I tried just to suck it up and save up my meter so that I could fill it up all the way and then get to that one more point and I win and then just use my ultra move that they can't stop no matter what unless like special shot my special shot I'm gonna call it ultra move <laughs> but then then it's an ultra smash thing so oh no those are just called ultra power never mind you're good yeah so it's, it's a essentially high risk high reward because even if you use that ultra smash a lot of people try to use it against see, me see see no one's using a Wii U game I'm sorry I need to stop I'm calling it because it's an ultra smash it's a special shot whatever when people use that Ultra Smash move, Special. I'm not going to call it that. <laughs> okay. When people use their Ultra Smash, <laughs> you can still use your slow down time mechanic if you have any meter left and just time your button press right so that you can block it and ideally not get your racket destroyed all in one go. And I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, there isn't, they didn't really do too much to the already established tennis mechanics. It's pretty much the same as it was in. Mario Tennis Open and I'm assuming Mario Power Tennis or Mario Tennis whatever it was on the Wii U. Um, Ultra Smash. <laughs> Are you serious? It's Ultra Smash. That's my whole point I've been making. <laughs> Ultra Smash. That's why I kept saying it's Special Shot because you're not throwing a disc at someone. It's Ultra Smash. It's, it's Special Shot because it's Ultra Smash. I'm calling the Special Shot Ultra Smash. Wait, so, so so did you play Mario Tennis Special Shot on Wii U? Is that what you're saying? That one didn't exist. Only Ultra Smash existed. Yeah, only the move. Or are you saying it didn't exist because it's such an empty husk of a game that you don't want it to yeah. exist? Okay, fair. Yeah, what's only left of it is the name because the name was the only good thing about it. And you grafted that onto an already named feature of an already existing special game shot. by it. Special Shot just sounds lame. Well, because it, it all makes sense in the... Okay, it does. It's because Trick Shot was already taken and the zone Trick thing. Shot, I also wouldn't... would also sound lame if that was the name of your ultimate move. Yeah, you're right. Also, like fighting games in general just have a history of like your your ultimate move. It's usually called your ultimate. So does Team Sonic Racing. They're calling it Team Ultra Meter or Team Ultimate Meter or whatever. I mean, it's just a it's just a common term used across so many games. It's just the way it is. And sorry, Nintendo, you guys just named it wrong. I'm I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I mean, they tried. They failed clearly. Yeah, but anyway, you're saying. I mean, the game is fun. I mean, I played as bowser and a few of the other characters but bowser's the one that i just really enjoyed surprise surprise yep he's trying to get those super hard serves in and i do like that um they grafted the i guess the power shots into different i mean just the different hits to different buttons there were, in yes. mario 64 it was either a b or a and b together mm-hmm. and i believe that's how it was in open also but in this one it's a b and x each of them are yep. a different one and if you want to lob it it's up and Whatever buttons on the bottom, B A. Uh, depends. They don't have names. 
because the Joy-Cons, some of them are directional. They're just oh, up, then I guess bottom, it's bottom left. Yeah, then right. it's bottom. Or do they have names? Oh, I guess they do on one side. They do. Well, yeah. I guess for that reason, well, yeah. whatever. Bottom button and up is a lob. Bottom button and down is a like a drop shot. And I mean, tennis on one point, it's what I just love about it is that it's just a mental game. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, you're just trying to condition your opponent to hit the ball one way and then all of a sudden you hit it the other way and they either see it coming or they don't and it's like a free point but where it gets tough is when you both are trying to get into that position where you have control of the match yeah essentially you're just fighting for that point where you can you're essentially on the offensive and the other person's just barely making it in time to return the ball which is where your slow-mo comes in sometimes you usually use it defensively but other times you can combine it with your trick move which is a i guess an you're full on committing to a certain direction and distance in yep. order to return a shot. Not so much distance, more direction. He'll, your character will kind of scamper to the spot if it's in the right direction. Yeah, but I feel like you have to like let it go because you can either overshoot or undershoot. Yeah, yeah, I do actually really like that it's mapped to a stick. Mm. Like that's kind of cool. You can actually trigger it with a, be- a button combo as well. I think it's like shoulder plus. No, yeah, that's a. Right. Yeah, but I do, like it with the stick. No, that's a. Right. If you do shoulder and I guess stick, I, I've only I only use a stick. Um, if you use the shoulder button, I think it's L two. Yeah, so if you use L to activate your slow mo and then do your Slow-mo's trick shot R. or R or whatever, yeah. um, you pretty much do a homing attack. It's like a guaranteed return to shot. Yeah, but you don't get the benefit of using the trick shot normally, which normally gives you a ton of your meter. Yeah, it's it's kind of a risk reward thing, like like everything else. Yeah, the whole game's built on risk reward. Yeah, essentially, like if you're reading your opponent, you know they're gonna hit it in a certain spot. Just go for the trick shot. Yeah, and on top of just like the aiming mechanic, I thought that was gonna take up a lot of time or like maybe slow it's it down too much smooth. but yeah but it doesn't it it just works really well and it doesn't also doesn't feel unfair because again you have this level mechanic they're wasting their meter to use that move you're wasting yours to defend it you're pretty much resetting the playing field it just comes down to whether you Wait, want I mean, to when they're slow-moing if you're slow-moing them when they're doing their as you call it ultra smash no or even in general no this is their 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 star shot because they're they went to the star Right, and they okay. jump up. Yeah, name. You know, there's a whole I mean, regard- secret system with that, like a real on fighting game rock paper scissors mechanic with that. Depending on the color of the star, use a certain shot back to maximize your hits. Wow. It's like if it's a red star, use the shot that makes a blue star. If it's a blue star, use the shot that makes a red star. If it's a purple star, use a purple star shot. I forgot which shot maps to which color. That makes sense. But, but there's shots- like a whole like you were saying it's like a fighting game. That's yeah. like straight up. I mean, there are, there are like certain shots in ten that are obviously are better to use. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to use the backhand yeah. on a move that on a ball that should have a forehand. And it's and even on the regular shots, like it depending on whether your character is left-handed or right-handed, doing a shot to the left to the left side of the court. With Bowser, depending on his position, might not be as fast and valuable as doing it to the right side. Right. Like, he'll either backhand it and it'll go super fast or it'll go a little slow because his hand, his arm just doesn't work that way. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's just fun. It's simple. It's easy to get into. The game's well, go Well, it's, it's more depth. There's more depth to it than any Mario Tennis ever. That's like, it's simple to yeah. get into, but it's, like, oh, that's hard to master. Yeah. Yeah. I, will, I will say, like, like any fighting game, I suck at blocking and never did it. In the in all the I just don't block, but but um like for all the fight, fighting fancy fighting game mechanics, I feel like for me personally, I didn't even use the slow mo very much. I don't know why. I just never use it. I end up, I think oh, they're called zone shots. By the way, the slow mo yeah. just yeah zone speed and zone hit. Yeah, I never hit R ever. I would constantly. I try to just so I could, you know, like try to get used to. Yeah, I should have, but I kept like being like ah this is awkward, so I just didn't. Because it is a little weird at first, like you figuring out how the 
it all works. It is, it's, it's weird. And it's funny because it's like it feels like I'm keeping track of too many buttons for a tennis game. Yeah, I felt I legitimately felt overwhelmed after the the demo. You know, or not the demo, the tutorial. Yeah. I was like, I did not track half of what they just said. Like, I okay, this does this, this does that. Okay, okay. And I go on a match, and I'd be like, What is happening? But by the end, yeah, I did everything except the zone shot, which I guess I need to work on. But I did really like the trick shot. Um, I was super on top of my meter. Like, I feel like I, obviously everyone's doing this, but charge shots have been a thing in Mario Tennis for a long time. Building them up has been a thing before, but like having that sort of push and pull with the meter and depending on what you do it rises or falls like that was a cool mechanic i really like that it really does add another layer to it you know the one thing i don't like i'm not a fan of the ko i think the ko basically where you do a special shot as it's called not an ultra smash into your opponent three times and they'll uh, block it or hit it back you basically they have three lives and three lives and you're gone theoretically that's great because presumably that would take most of the match to get to those three lives. But there was one or two instances where they, like, towards the beginning, to be fair, where it was just like, boom, 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 dead. Boom, 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 dead. It's just like, I mean, we were having a good match until they KO'd me. It was fair see, until they KO'd me. See, it I, just love, seemed, I, I, lo- I actually love that mechanic. And honestly, I, I, I wish it didn't kick I, you out of the game. I, I wish because, it didn't game set match. And also because you said know. that you never used your zone speed. It makes sense, I guess. Like, it's, it's like the easiest way to counter it. Because um, you have... You see it literally going in slow motion. Your character is running a little faster than it, and you just press A right when you would normally hit it, and then that's it. Oh, uh, so you actually have time to get to it. Yeah, well, or not get to it, but time yeah, it. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, a, it's like a game of chicken. Like, if they spend their meter to use a zone hit, yeah. then you spend your meter to essentially negate their zone hit with your zone speed. But I guess you just need to get good at the zones, because even, even if, like... I was thinking even if I did it and just mistimed it or whatever. I'm, I don't know. Like, you could be having a really good tennis match back and forth whatever you could be you know t- it could be close to a tie and then if it KOs it's like sure that makes sense but you're almost at the end it's fine but, but if it... you're in the first couple rounds and it's going well but you just haven't had a chance to like develop your strategy against this person you haven't read but their because, mind correctly but, it feels like you're getting short but that's because you're not using your zone speed I know no, I'm saying even with it I feel like I don't know well, I guess it's a non-issue well, yeah. yeah because yeah. with it like I've literally never seen that happen when I during okay, all the matches fair. I played and I played like I don't know, maybe like a hundred like tennis matches, like not once did anyone ever so get. So I actually not once did anyone ever like get their like racket broken. Oh, mine did. O- outside of like me using my ultra smash, right? Like when I'm like bound like doing like special Bowser, shot when Bowser doing his <laughs> ultra smash. Like that's the only time I ever saw a racket get broken. Okay, that that that's fair. I guess. If, other other than that, everyone always just defended it accordingly. Well, I guess I just need to be better at the game. Well, yeah, I mean, you said you weren't using your I know, I literally wasn't using Which is literally the counter to that. Which is why it felt so cheap. Yeah. But everything else, I love everything else. It's like saying, like, I'm going to go to a Smash Bros. tournament, and I'm going to use a Wiimote. Like, just the Wiimote. Okay, there was a year in college when Brawl came out that I I insisted on using Wiimote and Nunchuck, because that's what the Switch... At least least use the Nunchuck, and some people are really good with a Wiimote and Nunchuck. I was not. But but (laughs) you're saying, like, you weren't even using the Nunchuck. I know. No, a bear comparison is why I was saying how I never block in fighting games. There you go. There, yeah. yeah. So I guess it's on me. But the it majority of it, the majority of it, I did really like. And I, I'm just amazed at how like night and day aces just in the demo was compared to what Ultra Smash on Wii U, the game, not your move, was. Um, you know, back in the day, like not just in terms of content, which it seems like there's gonna be a lot of it in aces. And once the game comes out, the I, demo practically outmatched. Right. The... There's more in the demo than in all of Ultra Smash. I feel like. But once the game comes out, I think we're probably gonna do a deeper dive into is there like meat on the enough meat on the bone, but. As of right now, not just in terms of 
content, but just like how the attention to detail and how much like effort Camelot seems to be putting into Aces, even in just the demo, like outshines Ultra Smash. I mean, there's a mode you can turn on, which I didn't because it's very distracting. You can have commentary. Did you know that? You can have two toads talking throughout the whole match commenting on the whole match they wear a little sports coats they pop up on the side of the screen and talk the problem is it's all handwritten or not handwritten it's all written text in text boxes so if you're trying to do an intense tennis match there's no way you're reading it but it's there someone spent the time writing all that dialogue like that's an attention to detail that um ultra smash never got so it's, it's kind of cool to see or like uh someone on twitter knows this i'm just gonna shamelessly steal it mario's footsteps in this mario tennis are the mario 64 footstep sound effect oh yeah everybody's footsteps are that yeah sound effect. like there's all these cool Not little Mario's. oh it's all of them yeah. interesting but it's because yeah, i noticed how that does was... waluigi have oh mario tennis 64 yeah because yeah, i was noticing that when i was doing the tutorial and yeah. then when i picked bathroom i'm like oh he still has the mario footsteps in mario 64 see that's like it's like little things like that where it's like if a company has time if a developer has time to go in and add all this stuff that means they know they nailed it like, Ultra Smash, they didn't do that because they're like, uh, we have to rush out the door, we're barely going to have a game. But like this... They literally just released their tech demo. Yeah, basically. Ultra Smash felt like the prototype for this before they added all the fancy fighting mechanics. Right? Yeah. And, I, and I will say, like, online, I had one instance of lag, but that was it. Pretty smooth. Did you did you hit any lag? Um, Yeah, there was some. Bad. And, and every time, the worst that it got was essentially everything was a... Like, delayed by two seconds oh i but, had that my one instance was but, that, but there yeah. was no but it doesn't stutter everything still goes smoothly but everything's so delayed it's basically unplayable yeah like you run left and the ball's already past you on the right yeah yeah it's pretty bad but but yeah i think i think ignoring the lag which is as much i mean individual players problem as nintendo's yeah. i think like coming out of the demo weekend beyond us just knowing some must buy game i i think there's a bigger takeaway at least i have a bigger takeaway which is that mario test aces could absolutely could be like absolutely huge for nintendo like this thing i remember back in their financial briefing what february's briefing maybe april's whichever one was close to when they announced mario tennis aces originally they said that this game was going to be their next big push for multiplayer first like switch action like this is going to be their the way arms was the way splatoon was the way mario kart was mario tennis is going to be the next one of those and given the track record of recent mario sports games I think the general consensus, at least my attitude here on the uh, show, was that, yeah, Mario Tennis could do well. It's not going to do that well. Like, that's asking a lot. Splatoon numbers, Mario Kart numbers, sure, maybe better than ARMS. ARMS sold, like, 2 million. That's respectable, but you can do better than that. But, like, 8 million? 9 million? You you think you're going to hit that with tennis? Like, that's... Have you looked at your Mario sports games lately? Like, they're not bad by any means, but, like, except Ultra Smash. Like, there's good ones. You know, World Tour. Mario Golf World Tour was good on 3DS. But for the most part, over time... The handheld ones are so good. The console ones kind of well, took even, a dive. But even Mario long. Tennis Open didn't have a whole lot of content. They had online, and they had, like, a single player where you just play the computer, and then they had multiplayer, and that was it. There's no, like, single player component. Yeah, there were ahead. there were mini games. We're, okay, there were mini games, but there wasn't, like... The tournament modes are just against the computer, and then there are some mini games on the side. Like I was saying, it wasn't like this one has more. It sounds like a story, like the olden days and whatnot. Oh, I don't know. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad or not, but I, I guess my point is like, yeah, there's some good ones. Mario Tennis Open certainly falls under good versus bad, but then you know, Ultra Smash happened. Or like Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, separate franchise kinda, but still a sports game. And all that was was a mini game compilation. So over time, like the consistency of the Mario sports games in the public eye has probably gone down a little. 
but what Nintendo cannot seem to have done is they went, no, 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 we're going to save this. And then with Aces, at least from the demo, it seems like they're actually reversing the trend. And they're reversing it so much so that it could actually be a huge like hit for Nintendo. It has depth. Like Aces has that... It, this is a dumb pun, but I'm going to say it. it's the wrong sport, but I'm going to say it. Aces has that in the hole. They're, they have their ace in the holes. They have depth here. This is a real thing. Like, there's actual meat on the bone with this game, it feels like. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but, like, the whole fine game mechanic just makes it that much more interesting and makes for online matches that are very dynamic and makes it something that could, maybe not Splatoon numbers, but certainly above arms or equal to arms or something. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's not just tennis or tennis with, like, a special move. There's a whole different, like, more addictive thing going on here. And if you couple that with the sheer amount of content, you've got full online tournaments, you've got single-player mode. Granted, it doesn't compare to the old Game Boy Advance RPG ones, but there's certainly more here than just playing random CPUs and a handful of minigames. And then there's the swing mode, which supports motion control with the Joy-Con. And then in September, the swing mode is actually going to be updated to have local wireless play. This is cool. So... The swing mode, you can put two switches on kickstands back-to-back and, you know, tabletop mode and then face your opponent like we're doing right now to record the podcast and play tennis against them, but it's on the screen below you. So it's like a head-to-head. Like, that feels, like, perfect for casual gamers, right? Like, it's going to be, like, a sort of, like, whoa, you could do, like, a Wii Sports, but we'll set it up right here, right now. Like, that's kind of cool. And you can even challenge shots, which makes it a little more, like, competitive than Wii Sports ever was because you could call out your friends, basically. Like, all that's there for the casuals. Then for the core, you've got basically a combat system, like a fine game would have, plus some actual content surrounding that combat system. So, I don't know. It seems like this game could actually be huge, like really huge. It's like there's something for everyone. I think Nintendo kind of knows that they have a hit on their hands here. Like, first of all, we got the demo the weekend before E3, or two weekends before E3, which gives it just enough time for word of mouth among gamers and people that own Switch and, like, the core audience. And then, once E3 happens, doesn't matter. Everyone knows to buy tennis when it's over. Now, pivot over to the casual fans, the more mainstream audience, with Rafael Nadal and a crazy long commercial that will most likely end up airing at Wimbledon. It's a really well-done commercial. Have you, you've seen it, I assume. Have yep. you seen it? Yep, I have. Yeah, it's like... It, they, the, the commercial is good because it shows normal gameplay it shows swing mode it also shows a sad Mario in a locker room and my favorite part is uh, Mario's signature at the end he signs something and he signs like the screen the marker squeaks out the Mario theme it's so great and if you look they actually get the exact number of strokes of the marker to match the exact number of notes in the song but still form his full hat drawing which is his signature I, I was very impressed by that it's like perfectly quintessential like cheesy Nintendo it was great but, but yeah, um, if you haven't seen the ad, we have a link on the blog post. Go check it out on Rantown.com. But my broader point here, and I'm going on like a little rant I know, but I just, I, I'm really happy with Mario Tennis. I think it's going to be big for them. Is that, like, the ad, everything, this is a major mainstream play. Like, Nadal is huge. Running this during Wimbledon, which I assume they're going to do, will be huge. Like, sending out a notification to the Wii U to promote Mario Tennis Aces to all those poor saps who bought Ultra Smash and probably resent Mario Tennis now. Like, you have the confidence to tell them, no, 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 we got it right this time. That means they know what's up. That means they think they, they actually have a hit on their hand. So, you know, it, it, it'll it be interesting to see if this actually pans out, but they have all their ducks in a row for this to be the biggest Mario sports game ever, I feel like. it hits, It checks all the boxes for all the alliances. And yes, I gleaned all that off a demo and a commercial. Yeah. 
So yeah, hopefully those will so we can get a new Mario baseball and a new Mario strikers. Yeah, I mean those will probably still come regardless, but they will probably come faster if this does well. Yeah. No, let them sim- let them cook at a nice. Well, pace. I mean they they'll green light green light them faster if they haven't already. Not they're gonna speed them up. That that goes against everything that tennis aces does. What why do I call it tennis aces? That aces does well. So you know that one they took time to build, but we'll see. Enough of my rant. I really enjoyed the demo is what I'm saying. And we'll, of course, have impressions of the full game when it comes out. It's going to be exactly what we said, but the game would have been out. No, but see, I, I want to see what single player is like. I want to see all that. Like, talk about, like, how the different modes are. It's going to be exactly what we said, except the game will be out. Well, I guess I know what your impressions will be in two, three weeks. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But in the meantime, if you want to talk about games that um are exactly what people expect... And are already out. How about we talk about a whole collection of them? You ended up with Street Fighter's 30th Anniversary Collection. Even though yeah. I don't think you were originally planning to buy it, but you have it. No, it was more because um, we had friends over and... Well, more like I had my brothers-in-laws over. And they're really big Street Fighter fans and they really like Street Fighter 3. So we were like, alright, do we get for the PS4 or the Switch? But mm-hmm. obviously right now I have more multiplayer games on the Switch. It makes more sense to get it on the Switch. Yeah. And already having Street Fighter 2... I was kind of skeptical, like, oh, should I get it? I mean, it's more 2D Street Fighter. I didn't really it's get that more. much into more. Street Fighter 3, but, I mean, we got it anyway, and definitely do not regret it. If you're, I'd say this more, if you're, like, a casual Street Fighter fan or just casual, like, 2D fighting game fan, it's definitely worth getting, especially if you just like the Street Fighter franchise and don't necessarily play competitively, as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing in the fact that it has um well for one let me start with my favorite part of it it just has a museum mode it has a timeline of everything from street fighter one all the way to street fighter third strike i mean yeah three fighter third strike third impact and it tells you like how it got like greenlit like pretty much every milestone it hit with a bunch of images and that part is great then it has a gallery for every single of those street fighter games that has the the initial I forget what it's called. The, I guess the initial drawings and documents that were all oh, the okay. the initial pitch. It has uh, the initial pitch for Street Fighter One. It has the pitch document for Street Fighter Two. Pretty much, it's just a lot of history in there. It shows you a lot of the the prototypes for a lot of the characters. It also has all the music for every single version of every Street Fighter game in that game. So. 15 games times, I don't know how many tracks there are. They're like at least like 40 to 50. Do they have like a listening game. mode where like you turn off, it turns off the Switch screen and you can just like have headphones? And, but I then mean, again, where would you put it in your pocket? It doesn't fit in a pocket. I so. mean, it'll play the music back to back to back. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's as you, close as you'll get, yeah. So that's amazing. And then it has, on top of that, it has like some sprite. And that, as a sprite, like character bios, like sprite analysis mode where, say, I pick a Kuma. I could see what he... I get a little bio of him. I said get some nice art. And then I could see select moves animated frame by frame from Street Fighter 2. Then I could see those same attacks animated frame by frame in Street Fighter... Yeah, in Street Fighter Alpha. And then I get those same ones in Street Fighter 3. And you could see how they get more detailed, how they get more frames added, why it looks It's like better. custom made for you. A Street Fighter fan is doing animation. And you could do that for a bunch of characters and a bunch of different moves and... Just that in of itself just makes it feel like wow, like they put a lot of effort into this. You learn so much about just Street Fighter in general that just makes you appreciate the franchise more. It's like a lot of heart and soul went into this. And then there are the games, <laughs> which are also really great. 
it's nice that you have so many different ones, but realistically, you're only going to be playing like four of them. I know only four of them are online too, right? Yeah, and not even because they're online. You're basically just going to play the newest version of Street Fighter 3, the newest version of Street Fighter Alpha, the newest version of Street Fighter 2, and then Street Fighter 1. Mm-hmm. So that is great. Fine. The weird, The thing that you just have to, I guess, know getting in that they don't really tell you is that on top of the fact that you're just playing arcade ports, not so much like custom built console ports. Right. Um, it's interesting. It's weird. Like, let's say I want to play a versus match with you, and this could go both ways and both really good and I wouldn't say bad, but mm-hmm. just really weird. Sure. So if I want to play a versus match with someone locally, I go to um, offline play, then I go to versus, and then it lets me pick the game I want to play versus in. So I picked a game, and normally you would think that I guess it would launch the ROM for the game or whatever, but instead it immediately goes to pick a stage, and you're like, huh? And it's still in this, um, I guess the unique new UI that for this up collection, the, yeah, yeah. And so you're picking the stage, and you're like, all right, cool, I picked the stage, and then all of a sudden, it boots up the game already in the character select screen, and then you pick your character, and then it puts like a nice since it since these games aren't hd i mean they i guess they are high definition but because they aren't in a 16.9 format right it has i guess the arcade cabinet kind of fills out the rest of the borders which is which looks pretty cool it has some nice art but you you play the match mm-hmm. and like for example in street fighter 3 normally when you win a match it goes to like a little splash screen where you see the a picture of the character that won it'll say a quote and then it'll grade you on your offense defense and technique or whatever mm-hmm and this one, when you finish a match, it immediately just cuts to the UI. Like, if you're essentially booted out of the game. And it's it, like they're unplugging the arcade cabinet as soon as you're done. Sort of, yeah. But it just tells you um, rematch, yes or no. Or, like, or play another round. And and presumably you pick different why, characters why or whatever. Why are they doing that? And if you pick yes, you go back to the character select screen. If you pick no, it takes you back to the area where you pick the games. On one hand... It just feels kind of weird because it feels like, I guess it feels like I'm, I don't know, actually, it feels like I'm walking into an arcade room, like an arcade, yeah, that has all those games on display, but it just has them all already set to, like, those specific modes, and once I play the game, I leave, I walk out, and I could go to the next one. So it's stream, it's streamlined, but it sounds like it's so, yeah. streamlined to a fault, because so you're losing out on the post-game. Yeah, so, game. so it's streamlined, but it just feels, it doesn't feel natural. It feels like I'm just playing a like yeah. a slice of a game yeah and then i get booted out and then i mean, I mean choice i mean it's not like it takes forever to go back in if anything they made it so you can switch games really quickly so you could go back in quickly it's just kind of jarring to go from the in-game ui to the newer game ui and that's kind of weird but that i mean is but maybe but maybe that's the sacrifice they had to make in order to fit 15 games and make them work the way they do I, d- I did see somewhere on the internet it's a wonderful place that uh capcom's pushing out some fixes and updates and stuff for this sometime yeah, I soonish mean, so that i depending on how intentional that was or what the feedback from players I mean, is I, potentially they're going to address it i don't know i mean i thought they could do anything about that at this point because they're literally not dumping the whole ui into the game now oh, true so yeah. They're just essentially, they only imported what they needed to import. Right. Which, I mean, it's fine. Like, you get used to it. That's just how it, it is. It's just kind of weird at first. Sure, um, yeah. 
I mean, something unique to the Switch is um, a tournament mode for Street Fighter 2, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, essentially, they're replicating what they had a long time ago where they had four arcade cabinets connected to each other for Street Fighter 2, and they walk you through the steps of setting it up, and they're like, oh, this is something that we're proud of because Street Fighter 2 was one of the first to have like eight people competing at once in one tournament side by side, and it was all handled by the game. Mm-hmm. So they're saying to do this, you need four switches with obviously two Joy-Cons each. You right. set them up side by side, and then you hit next on the controller to like link them all up, and then you set up this side by side tournament mode, which is pretty cool. That is actually kind of cool. It's like it's like old school land. It's like yeah. land, but it's literally land, yeah, free land, land. And they're just walking you through setting up this yeah. local land mode, and yeah, and essentially that's pretty much it. I mean, it's Street Fighter. I mean. It's, it sounds like if you're a diehard fan like you are, then the museum alone is worth the price of admission. Yeah, I mean, for diehard fans, I feel it's a must-get just because you get more history, nice HD pictures, some more, like, text about like what, how they handled the development of the game. Right. And also, not to mention the fact that if you want to play Street Fighter Third Strike, which is, and Street Fighter Alpha, which are very popular Street Fighter games, on a next-gen console, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, this is the only way you're going to be able to right now. Mm. So, yeah, you pretty much have to. I thought they're going to release some a la carte because, as we were talking about on previous episodes, that time has kind of gone by. It's yeah. just the age of the release everything at once. The age of the compilation. Yeah, which is fine. It makes it easier. I don't have to have 15 different Street Fighters on my Switch home screen. I just need to have one. That's sliced up into yeah. weird pieces. Yep. <laughs> into weird pieces, but weird man. It sounds like it works. Yeah, because yeah. it's manageable. It's just... Weird. unexpected yeah. yeah but it sounds like a cool compilation like if this was a franchise i was super like nerdy about i would be all over it because it, it sounds like they curated it yeah like, it, very well. exactly yeah that's probably the best way because it's nicely curated yeah. because because of its fighting game nature it works well for this kind of game for this right. kind of game it definitely right. wouldn't work well for a compilation of like adventure games or something like the like the bioshock collection that has all four Bioshock games. Right. Those just have to be the full game as is. Yeah, play. like you yeah. pretty much pick a title and it just boots up into whatever yeah. ROM it uses. Which I honestly thought is what Capcom's going to do with this. It's just like you pick your arcade game you're in. Yeah, I mean, I, like they they, really went I, they, I guess they tried more, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good on you, Capcom. Good on you. And with that, unless you have any other thoughts about Street Fighter. Nope. That's our, pre, our pre-E3 our pre episode, everyone. So with that, I guess welcome to E3 2018. We're here. We made it. Um, I think it goes without saying... You don't want to miss our next episode as we'll have hands-on impressions from the show floor of Smash and Pokemon and Sonic Racing and who knows what else. So much, so much, so many games. All the games. Plus, of course, the hottest of hot takes on whatever Nintendo announces this coming week. Everything Nintendo announces this coming week. Uh, the episode will be up during our usual two-week schedule, which means it actually won't be here till Sunday, June 24th. But leading up to that you will probably want to keep an eye on our twitter at random nintendo i encourage you to follow our twitter at random nintendo because we're not gonna have photo galleries and whatnot for me three you know of the show floor but we also have as i promised at the top of the show we have giveaways yes that's still plural plural giveaways it may be shop cash it may be e3 swag all i'm saying is we're gonna do something every week starting the week after e3 through the end of july that's like five or six straight weeks of prizes so if you probably want to follow us to get any number of those prizes so just keep an eye on the twitter that's where all, it'll all be going down and we'll explain it all there and of course be sure to subscribe to us on uh subscribe to the podcast i should say 
on Apple Music and Google Play and Stitcher and TuneIn and whatever it is you may use because our next episode, E3 is usually the biggest of the year. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff. If you want to know about Smash, that's where you know about it. If you want to learn about Let's Go and what we think of it, that's how you find out about what it's like. So don't miss it. And if you want some real-time E3 shenanigans as they happen, you can follow us individually on Twitter, IMJSR7. Angel's Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O, and I think that pretty much covers everything. So enjoy the pandemonium, pandemonium of E3, everyone. Keep it locked to at Ram Nintendo on Twitter so you don't miss any of the awesome stuff we got coming your way. And we'll see you in a post-E3 world.